Just a Good Conversation, podcast number two. My guest today is funny and daring, has a wonderful ability to create characters. A graduate of Chapman University with a degree in film, Phil Thurman went on to create his own production company, Odessa Films USA, where he produced and directed two feature films. A cable access show became his playground where he was able to showcase his talents and his abilities to create wonderful characters. After stepping away from the film industry, Phil found himself at Fullerton College, where for the last 15 years he's been the sports information director, doing more tasks than one man should be allowed to do. Most recently, Phil has found his way back into the film industry, writing 4th and 44. I can say more and more about this man, but let's just get into this podcast. And with that, my dear friend, Phil Thurman. Thank you. It's great to be here. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. That's an old Steve Martin line, and he makes fun of it. Every time. Yes. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's the most cliche thing to say, and I like it. I like it a lot. It so, works. It does. <laughs> All right. During my research, I could not find some of the access cable access stuff. But we're going to get to that, because oh I want to stay on a timeline. Yes, yes. Because working your timeline... Is an unbelievable thing. Mm. So let's just jump into life in the OC. Okay. Now, OC, as you know, is broken up into a whole, like if you grew up in Newport, it's different than growing up in yes. Brea. It's different than growing up in Huntington Beach. It's different than Newport. Right. So you grew up in what section of OC? So actually, I kind of, I have an interesting piece of, to that because I'm a little bit of both, North Orange County and South Orange County. So, I was born in Laguna Beach. Okay. Literally on that hospital, in that hospital off of PCH. Right, right on the water. Right on the water. And uh, I was born while my mom bitched out the doctor and swore she was going to kill him. <laughs> and then I was born and it was quiet. So. <laughs> So it was bloody murder, according, and my mom did not take pain very well, and she was a very uh, funny woman, uh, but did not do well with pain, and uh, so I was born amongst a lot of screaming and chaos in Laguna Beach in 1970, and um, when I, when my mom went to bring me home, uh, she discovered that my dad had moved her while she was in the hospital, how how long was this delivery? I, I don't Several know how many weeks. I don't I mean, know. <laughs> I don't know how many days or how that worked. But my mom was like, "All right, let's go home." He's like, "Oh, by the way, we moved. We're no longer we're no longer in Laguna. <laughs> we now live in Huntington Beach. Let's go." And I that my wife would wring my neck if I did that today. Uh, uh, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. It was a little bit of a different time. Uh, even, I, I just, I don't know, I just, I just find that very bizarre my whole life thinking, how could you just move somebody and not tell them? Right. She's doing the most difficult yes. thing. You're supposed to be around, but I'm boxing up the house and shipping right. us up the yeah. PCH. So I guess my dad got a, an, an, another job. He worked at aerospace and, uh, and he was like, Hey, it's go time. So that was the idea. It wasn't like he was a caveman. He was a pretty cool <laughs> dude, but still pretty bizarre. So the house apparently, uh, was, uh, across the street from Lon Chaney Jr.'s house who played the werewolf. 
right. the original werewolf. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he would, according to my brother, because my brother's six years older than me and my mom. Okay. And dad. He would, every Halloween, dress up his, he had a big old courtyard. No, he did not. He did. He dressed up his whole courtyard, fogged it, and would dress up as the original werewolf and scare the crap out of kids. In the 70s? This would be in the late 60s. Yeah. That is a production. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. So wow, and I I think why did we move from that? Yeah. I mean, Halloween is my favorite holiday. I, I know, yeah, it's you the know? best. You get to dress up and act like a fool and have a good time and get candy. Yeah, it was the best. So and you uh, left that. We left that treasure. Behind. Yeah, and plus Laguna Beach. Why did we move to? All right, whatever. So we were in Huntington <laughs> Beach. We lived in Huntington Beach, uh, and it wasn't like Huntington Beach, like off of Main Street. Um, but we did spend a lot of time at the beach in Huntington Beach as a little guy. Um, it was the Huntington Beach across the street from Marina High School. Okay. So that was in that neighborhood. Right. And it kind uh, of butts up against the naval base. Uh, yeah, I think right over there. Okay. Yeah. So it's um, it was interesting. I, I lived there until I was probably six. I think six, and then we moved again. It was almost like my dad kept moving us further and further inland, <laughs> away from the beach. Was what? It, but my mom loved the beach, right. so I don't know what was going on there. What, I, I don't know how she stayed married to him. And then we moved to uh, wonderful La Palma, California, uh, which a lot of people go, "Where's that?" Right? Is that Northern California? Where's uh-huh. that? that yeah. That's in. Where's that? And actually. If you blink on the 91 freeway between Cerritos and Buena Park, you've driven through La Palma. I think there's one exit, and I think it's uh, Valley View. But you know, that could be construed as Buena Park. They only gave him one exit. That's all you guys got? I think that might actually be a, be a Buena Park exit. So <laughs> let me research that. So so La Palma is a small, small, it's like a one square mile uh, city that's literally on the border of L.A. County. So if we cross a, a bridge going to McDonald's, which we did a lot growing up, we liked our McDonald's. Right. Uh, you were in L.A. County. You are in Cerritos. Wow. Yeah. So La Palma is a pretty cool town. It's small and uh, has its own fire department and police department. I was going to say, what do you compare it to in size? Is it like the size of another city in Orange County? I think it's the smallest city in Orange County. Really? Honestly, when I say a square a square mile, right. it pretty much is. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it's small. So we, I grew up there. Did you know everybody in the town? Uh, it's kind of like that. You did, <laughs> yeah. Especially like, yeah. You Once do. you start going into school. Yeah, you you know who the older brothers are. You know who the older sisters are, and you know it, there's all these uh, stories that come with it, and you know they're all, for me those stories were always stories of warning, like. <laughs> Watch out, those guys were in a gang. In La Palma, Mom? Oh, yeah. They were the windsong gang. Got in trouble a lot with the police. La Palma. It's, it wasn't right. a very crime-ridden town. I don't remember La Palma being represented in colors at all. In that, Maybe Hopper didn't put it in, but True. I didn't remember True. the no. Windsock gang. No, there, was no, there were no gangs in La Palma. It's a very cool place to grow up, actually. Um, but the most interesting part is my mom was really close with her sister. Okay. And she remained in uh, San Clemente, San Juan Capistrano. Um, and I spent pretty much every weekend in, in San Clemente in, on the beach down there. And then my summers were spent uh, in Mexico. I, my aunt and uncle had a beach house 
in Mexico in Rosarito, Rosarito Beach, and I spent a lot of summers down there. It was very interesting. Uh, and it wasn't just like a couple of weeks or days. It was the whole summer. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, As a little guy, like how old? Since I can remember. Yeah. They bought the house in like the 60s. You know. So you would go like when you were seven, eight, nine, ten every every every, every year. Yeah, until would you guys my drive down? Got, yeah, we did. We drove down there, or my my grandparents would pick me up and like you know just take me. Right. And then my parents would meet us down there. Was it a day trek? How far into Mexico? Oh no, it's Rosarito Beach. Oh Rosarito. Okay. Yeah, not so, that far. Okay. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but back then there was one freeway. Well, back then there, Rosarito <laughs> right? like Beach was, was not Rosarito Beach that we know today. No, Ro- that's true. Rosarito Beach. Uh, from my youth was, you know, when I was a little guy, um, cobblestone roads, uh, there were no nightclubs. It was a quiet little, the only thing going on in town was the Rosarito Beach uh, Hotel. That's it. Uh, you'd, we'd go to the pool and hang out, you know, if we weren't at the beach, and then we'd go uh, get some food and hang out. But there were no nightclubs until like later. And right. then, you know, when I got a little older, I was shocked. I, you know, my grand, I, I stopped going down there when I was like 16. My aunt and uncle got divorced, and he got the Mexico house, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> so uh, I, I was no longer able to go down there anymore to Mexico. I mean, I went to Mexico, but not to that particular right. house. Um, and then when I, I'd spent, uh, a, you know, a number of years going to San Diego State, and when I did finally get back down to Rosarito Beach, I was stunned on how much it had grown. Oh, I'm sure. Stunned. I mean, all the nightclubs and the, you know, yeah, crazy. So, but yeah, so it's um, it's just interesting how, how things change. Right. So. Okay, so who was the funny influence in the family? Definitely my mom. Uh, my mom and I are... Uh, a lot alike, so much okay. that you know. When you're so much like somebody, you, you tend to like argue a lot, right? And our arguments often went from. And anybody that was in the room, our arguments started from something kind of civil and pretty cool, you know, just a nice little debate, and then it just went to god awful, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, and now it's just rubbish. Yeah, and we're just trying to say anything. Carrot sticks yeah. at each other, whatever word, and then, and but we knew what we meant behind carrot sticks, right? And it, it, the arguments just went to shit and went nowhere, and then we'd start laughing, and every like my dad would just go nuts, like I don't even know what you guys are saying, and like run out of the room. Now was he the straight man? Yes, absolutely the straight man. My dad was so easy to uh, to work over with a comedy bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you'd always get pissed. Was it nice, though, to have that yin and yang of, like, your mom great. being a, a a buffer, a fun comedy player? Yeah. You know, you got some humor from her. She laughed. You guys could joke. Absolutely. And then dad was Dean Martin. Yeah. And dad wasn't even scary. Like, I, like I was a pretty quick kid. Even if he tried to whack on me or get me, I was pretty quick running around the table. He could never get me. Uh, one time... We were out camping, and I was afraid to go in the woods to pee. And uh, we had the classic uh, station wagon. Sure. And it was mandatory. Ye- it was yellow. Well, shocking. With a green interior. It was beautiful. Wood beautiful. paneling? No, that was the one before that, oh. which I was too little. But the the main one was the yellow with the green interior station wagon. Just gorgeous. <laughs> so I was probably. 
I don't know, seven or eight, and uh, we were uh, unpacking. I think we were in, like, Yosemite. Right. And I had to pee really bad. My dad's unloading the luggage. He's got the deck, the lid of the back, and he's pulling stuff out. And uh, I'm uh, I'm twerking around, trying to hold my pee in, and, and he's like, just go in the woods. For God's sakes, fella, you get in the woods. And I'm like, I'm not going in the woods by myself. What if something gets me? I'm not yeah. scared of it. I'm from La Palma. I, I am not a woodsman. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, and I'm seven or, you know, whatever right. I am. And so uh, I just said, screw it. I started peeing right there in the dirt. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He, I had my back to him, so I thought maybe he wouldn't see he me. He wouldn't notice. Well, <laughs> I made a puddle, a nice hot puddle of pee. And he stepped in it while he was grabbing one of the luggage pieces and he was so mad and he chased me around the car and he couldn't catch me and I was a pretty quick little rabbit and uh, and then he started laughing because my mom made it funny sure of course she pointed out the comedy of it uh-huh. and then my dad started laughing and my brother was just like rolling his eyes because he was the older brother right you know, teenager that was too cool for too everything. Too cool for peeing in the dirt. So, uh, yeah, so I did that. So, yeah, he was a good straight man. So, uh, yeah, they couldn't catch me. And I had no fear of him. Uh, I respected him. But uh, uh, the fear came from my mom because she knew how to uh, wrangle me in mentally. Right. And it was always guilt. Guilt yeah. is such a good <laughs> wrangler when you're a parent. Yes. Uh, I wish I was as good as my mom. Uh, but yeah, she had good skills, excellent skills. Uh, she was also a pretty good actress. Uh, when she was, uh, 17, she won a Miss Firecracker contest, uh, like a beauty queen kind of thing. Sure. Uh, she was, she went to Downey high school. So she's from that area growing up. Well, originally from Texas and then moved out here, uh, when she was like, uh, maybe 10 came out from Texas and, uh, she won this Miss Firecracker, and she did a little bit of modeling, and this agent kept calling the house and harassing my grandma. My grandma was a pretty stern woman. Um, she uh, didn't put up with much much crap. <laughs> and she's a tech, staunch Texan. <clears throat> oh, boy. She'll let you know. And she let you know all the time where she was from. And uh, Lubbock, Texas. Oh. She'll tell you who's all from Lubbock. Yeah, she knew everybody. Some of the greatest Americans <laughs> ever. And she'll tell you how to make a Texas hamburger. It was just put some bacon on it. That's what it was. I wasn't very excited about the Texas hamburger because it was just a hamburger and she threw some bacon on it. Right. That's she not very Texas into it. That's all. No, I didn't want a breakfast hamburger Texan style. Maybe a little guacamole. That'd yeah. be good. But uh, so this agent kept calling the house and was being very demanding, very demanding, uh, wanting to. Uh, signed my mom to a contract and she said I'll tell you what you keep calling call when she's 18 and then we'll talk well he called on my mom's 18th birthday wow and that agent was Bob Hope's agent no and my grandma told him to scram what vamos (laughs) get out of here you pervert (laughs) yeah so yeah and so she had uh, yeah she she had some act she did a little bit of acting right so but my mom was terrified. She had skill. Like, she was really talented. Like, she could have been, 
a, a great comedian. Uh, she she had really good comic timing. That's what I said. Did she? What kind of what was her? Amazing comic timing. Okay. Um, she natural. Knew, she knew when it was funny. Oh yeah, and she was so amazing at it. Um, and she knew when to pull back. I mean, I learned all those levers levers from her just as a kid growing up because we had a lot of fun. Right. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't, and she liked to, she really liked to fuck with you. Like, uh, it was funny to her to jump out of a closet and scare the shit out of you while you're walking to the bathroom at six in the morning. Um, you had to jump into bed because she was always under the bed grabbing your feet. So, you know, if it was bedtime, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> It was like uh, it's coming. I got yeah, it. it. Was like uh, like uh, the Pink Panther, Kato, right. you know, like right. Peter Sellers, sure. Kato. <laughs> like you never knew where she was going to jump right. out of. She loved that. Aspect. Now, where did she get that from? My grandfather. Okay. My grandfather was pretty classic. Okay. Yeah, World War II guy, but he wasn't like. A, See how it falls down the line. It she does. gets it from dad. And I don't know where he got right. it from. Yeah. And it just does. Uh, and yeah, he was a fantastic storyteller. Um, and uh, so, she, yeah, she got it from him. She's very much a clone of him. And uh, so, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But she's definitely a big influence um, on, on all that. And I started doing a little bit of acting when I was um, 14 or 15, you know, doing auditions and all that. Okay. And I was working with... Uh, was that her... Like she liked did, that. I, she agreed to that. Or I not? was always agreed, a but, jock. Okay. But she, she liked when I started, I got into it on my own in high school. Like I think it was 15. I got into like stagecraft. Okay. It was an easy elective. Sure. You know, building stages, right. I'm not getting on stage. That's stupid. Yeah. I'll be back here uh, yeah. though. I got one taste of it and I was like, hmm, hello, <laughs> America, hello world. Yeah. Yeah, I got a I got a taste of it and I liked it. And then she's she saw that I liked it and she totally encouraged it. Um, so yeah, I had I did all that stuff. Um, I started pretty young with that. Do so, you think any of that with her not going into it, she wanted to see that opportunity for you? I think so. Uh, I think because you never knew I where think, her career could have gone if oh, it had it been one. Absolutely. And I think with her, it was fear based. Uh, she was afraid to make that jump. She's afraid to make that jump. Sure, it's big, and it and it, it affected me uh, when I was younger because I was I used to get mad at her. I'm like, just go do it, you know. She had she right. this story right here that she was also an artist. She painted really good, really talented actually. And some critic came to her when she was like 20, and you know came to like the art exhibit or whatever she was doing some of that. And uh, this one critic, one person told her she wasn't good enough so she quit she didn't start painting again until she was in her 50s late 50s and that pissed me off like you let one person tell you wow you can't do it so you didn't do it and so that that affected me because it affected her so much sure so i kind of live my life like screw that screw that i'm making a jump i'm doing what i want to do when i want to do it if it doesn't hurt anybody right um i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i do and I'm gonna do what I do at the moment because of that. When I when I I made my first feature film when I was 25, um, I gave her a part in it, 
And it was a cool part. It was the part of Connie, the hotel. She ran the, the old motel in the desert. It was a great part. She had a crooked beehive. And uh, she brought the guy, like the, the main character's lunch every now and again. It was a cool part. It wasn't a big, giant part, but it was a part to get her feet wet and give her a taste right. of something. And I knew she could do it. Um, and she totally freaked out on me. Freaked out. Couldn't do it. Couldn't not do it. She was like, I'm not, I can't do it. I, she had a panic attack. And I saw that it tortured her. Really? And I didn't know what that was, where that stemmed from. Yeah, I still don't. Hmm. Um, uh, so that, that type of mentality inspires me today. Like, all right, so am I scared to do this? Yeah, it terrifies me. But I'm going to do it. And what's going to happen? Am I going to die from it? No. I could fail. So what? Yeah. Failure is like nothing. So if I continue to fail, eventually I will see some success. Just keep doing it. Right, right. So that's how I kind of apply my life, and that's what I teach my kids. You know, my oldest is terrified of everything. He's 14, going into ninth grade, and he's always been terrified of everything. My youngest is five. He is an animal. He jumps into everything. He just goes for it. My, my middle is, my, is my, uh, my 11-year-old daughter, and she's not afraid of anything. She, she's actually a, pretty tenacious. Right. But I, I still have a hard time convincing my – I just yelled at him the other day, no joke. And all we were doing is he's, – he's, he's a baseball player, so he's getting into lifting weights. And uh, he was afraid to lift too much because he was afraid to hurt his back. <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's uh, 20 pounds, and uh, you're 14. <laughs> Yeah. You're not 49 like me. Yeah. You're going to be just fine. Yeah. Like if it was an old man like myself, yes, mm-hmm. be careful. Nothing to hurt it for. But you will recover, you will be fine, and you have to you have to take a at your age you have to take a risk. So no guts no glory. Like you want to get bigger and faster and stronger? This is how you do it. Right. Don't be afraid. Go do it. And that's kind of the way I like to live my life. Right. And that's what I love when I get to see Logan. I love to just, like, get on him. Yeah. You like it. You like yeah. that because he's shy and he's easy. I force hug him. <laughs> it's awesome. I squeeze him. He I, loves yeah, it, too. <laughs> he does love it. Yeah. And he's a, he, you have a, he's a big fan of yours. He loves you. Yeah. So, yeah. And he's one of those kids you can slow torture. Yes. Like, you just, you're not talking to me right now, oh. but I'm staring at you. I'm looking at yeah. you. And, and gets, you can just see the fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you see it. He, he's, his expressions are classic. He's got yeah. these big chocolate brown eyes, and they just, yeah, you can see them. All right, we'll, we'll jump ahead only because I'm going to bring this up. Okay. When I was with the Angels, I had the opportunity to present Logan with Mike Trout, and he was terrified Yes. because it was Mike Trout. Yes, which is his favorite player. Right, one out of 100 kids, and it's the <laughs> one time he's like, I, I can't do it. No, and, it, and there was a time before that even – Mike Trout actually came up to sign a ball for him. Mike Trout's probably one of the nicest guys. Absolutely. I'm not kidding. Yes. He came up to he came up to Logan. Logan's one of the hundred kids waiting on the, along the wall there at the right. stadium. And Logan was little. I mean, I don't know, maybe seven or eight. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, and he came right up to him and he ran up the stairs and cried. <laughs> it was too much for him. Right. Oh, God. And his yeah. little, my little nephew, who was five at the time, he signed his ball, and he talked about it all night. Oh, I'm sure. And I, uh, the only, the only l- teaching moment I could give him was, no guts, no glory. Like, what was Mike going to do? Was he going to put you in a headlock yeah. and walk you around the field? 
What was he going to do? <laughs> Poke you in the eyes? Yeah. He was going to sign your ball. Yeah. So, thank God. Well, and then the experience happened. You were going to present him and, and right. have him meet Mike Trout, and he ran and wouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay? Love that kid. And then... <laughs> I'd say maybe two years later, he got lucky enough to actually get an autograph ball from Mike Trout. Good. He, uh, Mike actually, he, did, he didn't run away from Mike when Mike came up to him. Good, otherwise we're going to have to yeah. have Mike I, show up the, at the front door. <laughs> the only kid that's afraid of Mike Trout. Yeah. That loves him. Right, loves him to death. Like worships him. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a great kid. Yeah. So, you have this creative juices starting to flow in high school, right? Mm-hmm. You got... Your mom's obviously pushing you. You do a little acting. You find drama. Are you the guy in school who's finding yourself to be the funny guy, the ha-ha guy? I didn't plan for that. I just like to be myself and have a lot of friends. Uh, so I had like four different groups I, I, I bounced around because I, I was a jock. I played football. I played basketball. Right. And um, And... But I didn't like I didn't like the stereotype that the jock had. Sure. So I never got a Letterman's jacket. I didn't want to be that guy. Um, I just like playing sports. But I didn't like the meathead jock mentality, which a lot of my friends had. Sure. Or still no. have today. They still haven't grown out of high school. Right. Some they're of still them. in 1988. But I love them. Yeah. 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 And they're still stuck in it. But I didn't like that. I didn't want to be in that. I wanted. I liked them as. Friends, but so I had four different groups I'd bounce around. I had my jock friends, had my skater friends, had my surfer friends, and I had my drama friends. And my drama friends were totally different than my jock friends. My jock friends would be like, What party are we going to this weekend? Is there a kager? Let's right. get that going. Yeah. Right? But my drama friends were like, Okay, guys, we're going to play cards. <laughs> we're going to watch Young Guns. Who's bringing the sodas? Right. Right? And yep. that was cool. Yes. I was into it. Yeah. Because it was wholesome. It was cool. And guess what? I didn't have to wear a mask. I didn't have to play anybody. I got to be myself. Right. And then after just doing that after a while, I was like, I'm just going to be myself anyways. Right. Because when you're young, you're trying to figure yourself out. Like, what am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? What group am I in? Who do I belong with? And then you really feel uncomfortable in your own skin when you're that young. And you, you just kind of figure it out by bouncing around. And I, I did. I just realized, all right, screw it. This is what I am. Right. So what, I think it's healthier that way. Yeah. And it, it is. And I, I did that. I bounced. I had groups of different friends and I found different pieces of them. And I think that's healthier. If you get stuck with this group mm-hmm. of 20 people, you never experience the other six, seven, 800 right. people in that school. Because doesn't everybody have a different experience? Yes. Yeah. So that's how I, that's, I, I still like to do that today. I like to bounce around and just meet different people because I want to know everybody's experience. Right. And I, you're the same way. Right. Yeah. And I, and I see that in the way you write and the way that your, your films, it, you're, you're not sitting there just making a one singular kind. No, I like, I like different voices because I, that I, shows in your characters. Yeah. I feel like I have a bunch of voices in my head. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but I just, I feel like I could come out and do any character. I can, I've always been a good mimic and that's one thing that my mom couldn't do that I could I could always mimic anybody if I was around you long enough I could do your voice I could I can get your mannerisms Uh down so I I have a I like people watching and it's not making fun of people because I think that's mean it's I if I'm if I'm playing with you and I, I 
it means I like you. And if I can mimic you, it's because I like you. There's something about you that, yeah. that I'm attracted to, and I'm mimicking that. Um, and You've paid enough attention to them. Yeah. My wife always says, oh, my God, you, you're, you're always on Farrah. You tease her too much. I really like her. I'm right. like, I tease you a lot, don't I? I'm like, you like that. That's why you <laughs> married me. I'm all, I tease the shit out of you, and I'm annoying. I know this. But guess what? You like it. Yeah. And it's because I like you. You know, but if I ignored you, there'd be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that's true. Right. You know, so, so I kind of did that in high school and I was good at mimicking and I, and I was, I was actually voted class clown. Okay. Um, not trying to be the class clown. Cause that I think, but people found you funny. Yeah. Because, and there's a difference. Well, I didn't want to be the, I wasn't the guy in class that made an ass of the teacher. Even the teachers liked my jokes because I made the teacher, I put the teacher in on the joke. I never liked making fun of the teacher. I, that's a person. That's a, I, I knew that was someone that went home and to their own kids and had their own lives out of school, which is weird because you think they're just robots that turn off, right? right. So I, I recognized that pretty young and I think my mom had that influence. And plus my aunt was an English teacher in high school. Okay. So I kind of, pulled that like well she's not a robot she doesn't turn off and stay in the classroom right so she comes it's pretty impressive for a kid in high school to realize that yeah so i didn't want to be disrespectful i didn't want to ever be disrespectful in class and i never did those outbursts where it was uh hurting the hurting what the teacher was saying i would, I would kind of do a joke to add on to it right. make fun of the moment not the person if, if there was a lecture um, yeah, you know where it didn't work was in college. <laughs> that, that's where I was going to go. It was like, how you transfer that? It did not work in college. I tried that my freshman year at San Diego State in one of the bigger classrooms. and uh, Fell flat? F fell flat because the teacher's face did not buy into the joke at all. And I was like, oh, this is big boy class time. Okay, I gotta, I'm going to shut up and just listen. This is a time to listen. There's a time to listen and there's a time to joke. And this was not the time to joke. But in high school, it was a little different because it's, uh, I, I had more, I knew the teachers more. You know, in college, you don't really get to know your right. teachers. You don't. You're a number. Yeah. Uh, you're, in, you're in a room with 200 people in a lecture right. hall. The only place that was different, because I, I honestly went to, I went to San Diego State, to UCLA, to Cypress College, to Cal State Fullerton, then to Chapman. That's, crazy. That, that's that's a lot of hops. I yeah. I guess I wanted to learn a lot. <laughs> no, I just I got I got burned out at San Diego State. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you had six I liked degrees. UCLA. <laughs> yeah, I did. Right. I liked UCLA um, for the art. You know, for the uh, acting and right. I did a bunch of acting classes and stand up there, and uh, I did do the stand up comedy. Um, but well, okay, so, but to get yeah. you, but to get you there. So were you thinking when you're leaving high school, like? I see myself in entertainment or theater or where so was I was your... doing, I was in a lot of act. We did a lot of improv right. in our theater group, uh, in, in high school. And they had, a, that had a pretty profound impact on me. Uh, we had a really good drama teacher named Mark Till and he was amazing. And, uh, he was only like 10 years older than us and he's young and had all this energy. And, Do you think uh, that helped him being that young. I think the energy you did because he left my junior year and I was really mad at him because you get you get attached to your drama teachers. Uh, they're the ones getting all your emotions. You're right. you're, you're you're giving them everything, um, and they know you very well. And he was an amazing teacher and an amazing person to talk to, mm. um, and it was very relatable. Okay. 
And he left my junior year, so I was pretty mad at him. And uh, and we got a, a, an older gentleman, and it was like a seasoned actor, uh, acted in a bunch of stuff with like Jeffrey Tambor in the early Whoa. days, maybe some Threes Companies. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, he'd been around the block. Yeah. Threes Company. Threes I mean. Company. So uh, maybe some mashes. <laughs> get those in there so he'd been around the block soldier number three right but he had he was <clears throat> so disconnected in and in he was a really nice man but uh he's he, trying to do broadway theater and he's in la palma yeah <laughs> but he was more of uh let's do a play and yada 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 let's go through the motions i'm tired uh, uh nice mm-hmm. guy though right and meanwhile i think my junior year we started just driving up to hollywood on our own Wow. Um, uh, me and a, a couple other kids in drama that thought we were like the funniest things ever. And we would go to these improv. So if you go up to Hollywood, you can try out for improv uh, uh, in, in, in do like improv shows and there's improv classes. Right. And uh, we, now this is pre-internet. So how are you finding these? Uh, there was a magazine called Drama Log. Wow. That was the actor's Bible if you wanted to get work. Now, where would you find that? There's a, there's a back classifieds page. Okay. So it would have all these, like, auditions here, auditions. Well, Go to this class. And, and I, we look for the improv auditions. Was that sent I mean, to the school? Or was that like, did you No, have to you go had to go to a bookstore that only, that certain bookstores. Right. I don't think they had Barnes & Nobles. What they have no. back then? It was independent. Yeah. It was Chuck's Bookstore. Yeah, the yeah. cornerstone. Where do they sell drama log? Right. Yeah, there was no internet back then. And you're like, drama log? Put that, get out of here, yeah. kid. Yeah, I wonder where that's. There was no dramalog.com anymore, right. so they blew it. There might be. Yeah, Let's it could be. I don't know. Get on that. Right now. But uh, <laughs> so we started driving up to Hollywood, and we did a few of those auditions, and we and we actually made it. We did a couple shows. Wow. We were pretty young, and we thought we were hot shit. We are comedy legends. Well, you're from La Palma, making up into L.A., Hollywood. So we did that, and then... uh, How many are you? There was three of us. Okay. It was like me, Terry Schwinn, and and Lloyd... Found a bike family? No. He's actually a teacher at Santa Ana. uh, He's a drama teacher. He became a drama teacher at Santa Ana High School. So he took to it. Yeah. No, and he's an amazing teacher. He actually became what Mark... He is what Mark Till... Uh, and I'm very proud of him because he is he is such a great influence on a lot of young folks, and uh, and he he took the reins, became the next Mark Till. Wow. Um, yeah. So he's fantastic. So we were we were pretty. He's a really funny guy. Um, so we had a lot of fun doing that. And then um, then college, uh, I did not like the theater scene in college. It was a little too. Uh, now did you pick San Diego State for theater? No. Picked San Diego State strictly for the parties. Okay. That makes all uh, the sense in the world. And it was just far enough away from home. Right. Okay. So yes. instead of you going to New York or you right. said San Diego's just, just far, far enough. enough. Just to get my feet wet, get away from home. Did you even know if they had a theater department? No. <laughs> you just applied. I just knew they had a football team and maybe I'll walk on. <laughs> no. Not a shot in hell. I think I was 6'1", 168 pounds. Right. Oh, they needed me. They needed the you. The Aztec football program. <laughs> They'll get a little bit of this. No. Didn't so happen. I didn't, even, I didn't even try. I was like, holy shit. I saw some of the guys that played on the football team in the uh, cafeteria. Fourth string. Yeah. 
giant. They were gigantors. And yeah. the quarterback back then was Dan McGuire. Oh, see, that would scare the hell out of you right there. I saw Dan McGuire. We were playing racquetball on the west side of campus. And Dan McGuire had tree trunks for legs. And he's 6'9". Right. I still think he's the biggest quarterback D1 ever. quarterback to at least play play, not sit on the bench. Right. Yeah, no, and he was massive. Massive. And I was like, good God, like, I am one of his legs right, right now. He doesn't even know he could step on me, and right. I wouldn't even know it. Yeah, yeah. He so, was massive. So then he had the face shield. Yeah. He was the cool guy. He, he was, was the first quarterback that had the, the – he had the Dan Marino mask, face mask, but he had the shield. Yes. And I just thought, Jesus. Badass. He has to wear that because he's closer to the sun. <laughs> like, he's just a beast. <laughs> Yeah, no, he was, and it, just seeing him in person with like in like workout clothes, like he had his like short shorts. He was playing racquetball too, right. and I was just like, "Good God, there's no way I'm playing football at this level." I'm like, not blocking for him. I'm doing no. nothing for this man. I'm lucky if I'm water boy <laughs> at that point. So, and I was like, "Okay, football." I'm funny. Duh, that's it. I'm funny. So football over. <laughs> I'm just gonna be funny at the parties, and Make I had Dan a, laugh. And I did. I I had so. I, I did, I, you know, it's funny. My counselor in high school said, oh, you'll be back in two years. And I was like, that is mean. Yeah. San Diego State is an awesome school. And it is. It right. really is. And he, I didn't understand what he meant by that. I think he saw a little bit of himself in me at that, you know. But he, uh, he was right. So after two years of being uh, Van Wilder, I, uh, I I left San Diego State because I, I, I took a few drama courses. I took a couple of uh, vocal training classes. Okay. Diction. Lots of me, my, me, mo, mo, whatever. I can't even do it anymore. <laughs> right. I'm rusty. So uh, <laughs> it's been years. So, uh, so I left San Diego State, and it was an interesting conversation. My dad came down and visited me, and we were at the uh, local... What was that? Uh, uh, it was a little diner. Um, anyways, this is pre-gas lamp. I mean, it hadn't even become. Yeah, an there was no gas lamp district. Right. There was no downtown. Yeah, the stadium was no. at Murphy. There wasn't no. a downtown. The only downtown. thing to do at San Diego back then was party on right. Fraternity Row. Right, which was a big one. A huge, huge. I mean, every night there was something. Right. Every night, and there it was like. There would be like 60 kegs, right. and you had to have a wristband, and and you could actually walk around the city with an open container. It was totally legal to walk right. around with booze and even go to the beach and have like an open container. Right. And it was insane, insane. It, it was pretty out of hand. It was I think at that time, San Diego State was the number two party school in the country, right. just under Florida you got, State. You got the Navy right there. You're blocks away from Mexico. I mean, it's just so. A, if you weren't doing the fraternity thing, you were partying in Mexico. You right. go to Tijuana, right? And everybody take the trolley down, and everybody knew what clubs to go to, and yeah, it was it was a thing. Um, it was a good time, but then there's a time to grow up. Right. There's a recipe for disaster <laughs> right there. It just was like, Dad, I'm sitting across from at the diner, and he's all, "How are things going?" I'm like, "Dad, I'm just tired." <laughs> and he goes, "What's that mean?" And I'm all, I don't know. And he goes, did you want to come home? And he's just, he is stoked. Did if he I, see it in your he face? He wanted me to come home so bad. And I'm like, all right, can I come home? And he's like, yes, when? I'm like, well, semester ends. It was spring, the end of spring. You got to be careful. He could pack you up during this he conversation. Was, he was so excited to have me come home. This is the same guy that when I got married, he was like, you do know. I know you're having a hard time finding an apartment right now. You do know that uh, me and your mom... 
have an open room you and your wife can stay in, <laughs> Michelle can stay in, and we love you guys. You can just live with us forever. Don't we have fun together? We go out to dinner. We go to the movies. We have the best times. I'm like, Dad, no. So my dad liked having us around. Sure, you sure. Know? We had a good time right. in, in the house. Uh, there was a lot of funny, a lot of comedy. Um, and so, yeah. He Let's never, not break up the team. Yeah, so he was stoked when I was coming home, like back from San Diego State. Right. And so I did that. I stayed home, saved some money, started working. Um, they up and back home, and then um, connect reconnecting with my some of my friends from high school that I didn't hang out with in high school. And then you're like, hey, how come we didn't hang out more? Yeah. It's the best. Where you been? Yeah, let's hang out. And so we hung out, and um, I, I did the the dreaded drive to UCLA. Because I, my dad was like, all right, here's the deal. You come home, you want to go to UCLA, you're doing the drive. And I'm like, I can't stay there? And he's like, no, you're driving. And by the way, this is pre-105. Wait, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is pre-105 freeway. So this is straight up the 405 all the way up. 405, the 605. I to the, think like you had... I was late to every class. Of course. <laughs> I didn't last. You had to find I, I, I lasted medic. one quarter and got the hell out. Seriously. No, I, I'm surprised you lasted a and then, I, and then I took a little bit of time off. I worked at the Black Angus as a bouncer. <laughs> was a, I don't know why they hired me as a the bouncer. I was 175 pounds. So you bulked up? I bulked up. I, I took some, uh, some slim fast <laughs> when I didn't need to, and I bulked up. And uh, I was a doorman, and I had a cummerbund at the Black Angus what, what, nightclub in Buena Park. The doorman had to wear a cummerbund? A red cummerbund. It was a black tuxedo shirt, red bow tie, red cummerbund, sleeves rolled up just enough to show the bicep. You sure this was Black Angus and not Chippendales? No, it was Black okay, Angus. Okay, I'm just making sure oh, no. you're at the right place. No, I know. I was pretty stunned. A bow tie. So if you so ever Black had... Black Angus is great for steaks during lunchtime. Right, but if but you got a But they had a roll, nightclub. Yes, but if you have to roll with somebody, you're in a cummerbund and a necktie. Right. It was Chippendales. Even a bow tie. That was that. a very Chippendales outfit. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, it was and interesting. Up biceps. The, the guys that were doormen weren't not bad looking guys. Like they were, you know what I mean. So I'm thinking, how tough can these guys be? We got, I got in one scrap, right? I got in one fight there, and uh, it was well. I, if I, well, I got in one fight there, and the guy picked me up, and I was laughed out the door because I let a guy pick me up. I'm like, dude, I'm not Patrick Swayze. This isn't Roadhouse. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm here to be a doorman and check IDs. I'm not here to. Okay. Tear his throat out. Yeah. The guy, what happened was this guy got in a fight with another guy over his girlfriend. Okay. Oh, of course. I was twice the size as the, of the guy. And I calmed him down. And he was like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to be mad anymore. I'm going to be cool. Don't kick me out of the club. I'm going to be cool. And right, I turn, I'm like, cool. And I turned my back. And he spazzed out and picked me up from behind to get to his girlfriend who was trying to leave. Because they got in a fight. <laughs> It was the, and yeah, I never heard the end of it. So it wasn't like I was the greatest bouncer. I just did it. And it was an interesting job to like watch characters and nothing better than being in a nightclub on the other side of things where you get to see everybody be drunk and act funny. Yeah. And then, and you pick up on those characters and those little nuances that people do. And, uh, and not to mention the characters that work in the bar. Uh, the bartenders, the, the uh, wait, waiters and waitresses. It, it, there's a lot of things to learn. I knew I had to get out of there because 
I, I was promoted to a waiter. They asked me if I wanted to be a waiter. Oh boy, you've been there too long. I'm 19 years old and I'm waiting tables now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was the worst waiter. I still would be, I have so much respect for that profession because I would get lost in the tables because I'd have five tables. All right, you need a salad, but no ranch dressing, but you want this on the side and you want the no tomatoes. Okay, and then I, it just, it, it was like couldn't playing do Husker do. I couldn't figure it out. And then, uh, and then the trays, they make you carry everything on a tray, okay? And nothing's worse than the family from like, because mind you, this is the Buena Park Black Angus on Beach, just down the street from Knott's Berry Farm. Oh, boy. So you get the Knott's Berry Farm yes. folks from, like, Utah ordering smoothies, okay? Well, the whole family of five ordered smoothies, and they were in tall glasses. Right. 20-inch tall and glasses. And I've got five of those things on a tray. And I'm like, I'm making it. I'm doing it. I'm making it. Okay, from the kitchen and do Oh, <laughs> good God. This is, like, day four. I just got trained or whatever, maybe day five. And I'm like, here's your smoothies. And dude, the whole tray all over. They had red shit dripping on them. And I was like, oh my God, like broken glass. It was a nightmare. It looked like a, a Stephen King movie. It was awful. Carrie just bolts. Oh yeah, it was Carrie and Stephen King and Cujo and Pet Cemetery. I don't know, all of them. I swear to God. So I'm standing there and, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And my general manager walks up and his name was Gary and he was awesome. He had like the cool, like he was like stuck in like 1980s. So he had like a, the cool, like uh, middle part, like uh, feathered hair oh, yeah. style. Yeah. But he was like old, but like cool. Yeah. And he had like the cool like mustache and everything. And I'm like, Gary, I don't know what happened. I just lost control. <laughs> and he was like, don't worry about it. He's like, just just walk away. And I'm like, okay. Just walk <laughs> away <laughs> from a family. Yeah, and I remember him saying as I walked away, he was like, he's new and everything's on the house. And I was like, oh God, I'm gonna quit before I'm fired. So I did. I, like, I, I held out another week, did my best, and I quit before I was fired. And I still, and I was 19, and I still have so much respect for the profession. Oh, it's a tough job. Yes. Tough job. Because I'm lame. I can't. <laughs> Oh yeah, so that was that was like a that was a that was a kind of a big job that I did. Not, not a big job, but like one of the jobs when I first came home. Right. And doing the UCLA thing, and I I I, I got away from that. I, I didn't like doing the UCLA thing, so I was like, screw this. I'm I'm gonna do my own college. I'm done. I'm gonna do Cyprus and then transfer to Cal State Fullerton, get into advertising. So advertising, advertising, because I had creative ideas. I could write stuff. Okay, so you're going to take your funny, haha, creative, and I'm going to make funny commercials. It's funny commercials and advertising. I couldn't be more wrong. Right. Advertising is not funny. Not funny. Advertising is serious, and cutthroat, and mean. So I had a professor that was really good, dude, and I was like, oh, this is hardcore. I don't know if I'm into this or not. So I started taking a bunch of English courses. Englished out. I just, I Englished out so much. I just took nothing but blue book because I was really good at, I liked English lit. Okay. I liked all the stories. I liked the characters. I got into Shakespeare. I liked everything. So you're writing your butt off. I wasn't, I was writing my butt off about other people's work, learning about <laughs> it, right? Those big giant blue book exams. Right. Oh uh, God. Oh, yeah. So back those were awful. Uh, so I got really into that. And then, um, I, uh, 
I was, I, I was like a year there and then I was really enjoying myself and a friend of mine called and said, hey, and this friend got a D1 scholarship to the University of Nevada. Okay. Hurt his back, lifting a car. He was pretty strong. Yes. And he was like, and then he, he had a little break from that. And then he's all, hey, Chapman University wants me to come play for them. But they also asked about you. Now, mind you, I was a decent high school football player. I think I wasn't like a, I had like a couple D2 offers. Um, Going, coming out of high school, I was I played D end, defensive end, okay. and I had the most sacks I think in the county that year. But I was just fast. I wasn't like I was a badass or anything. I was super fast to get off the line, beat the slow lineman, get to the quarterback. Okay, okay, I was right. decent. Right, I wasn't like a great athlete. I mean, I was a good athlete, but I wasn't like D one by far. No. And so they they had seen some film on me or whatever. It was still floating around. It was the uh, so I went and. I went with my buddy to check out Chapman. I, I didn't know too much about Chapman. I knew I was happy at Cal State Fullerton. That's a sleepy little school back then. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I'd been there, my cousin played for Weber State. She played volleyball for Weber State. And uh, they were in town playing at Chapman, you know, like an exhibition match. I was like, where's that at? Orange. Okay. I'll try and find it. So I, I got down there and I checked out a game. I was like, wow, this is kind of a cool little campus. Now, you've never been to Orange. At that point, like you grew up in Lake Palm. My mom liked going to antique shopping in Orange, and okay. I, I was never going to Orange. <laughs> okay. The antiques fell up. Right. We're going antique shopping. Going that was my the, worst nightmare. Going to, go, to the circle. Yeah, that was my punishment if I was to go shopping with my mom. Nightmare. I right. Mean, antique shopping. Jesus. That? Pick me We're up a pair talk- of tough skins and let's go. Yeah, not talking about going to Jemco where you got sections, yeah, but no, looking at antique old shopping. stale furniture. Yes. So I was not going antique shopping. So I never went to Orange at that point. Um, And it was hidden in there. It was a hidden little school. It was just Chapman College. I remember people saying, oh, there's a Chapman University. And I kept thinking. Chapman College. Right. Yeah. Where? Yeah. But now Chapman University, totally different ballgame. Right. 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 Jim Doty, just amazing with what what he did there Um, and what he's doing and done. Um, So... I wasn't too familiar with Chapman, so we did a walk on the campus. We met the coach, and I said, sure, sign me up. Let's go. So Who was I left. the coach then? Oh, it was uh, Visser. Ken, okay. Ken Visser okay. uh, from the old Long Beach State coach. Okay. And, uh, yeah, come on, kid. We need bodies. And they were right. bringing everybody and anybody. Right. You, play, you were good. You were decent. I remember you. Get over here. Um, so we did that. Uh, uh, Tom never showed, my friend Tom. Nice of him. Um, he never showed. <laughs> so I'm at Chapman by myself, and I'm on this football team, and I'm not as big as everybody, and I'm playing D-end, but I'm still pretty quick. I'm hanging. I, and you I, haven't played in two years. I hadn't played in four, four years. Four years. I took some time off between. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So let me see. No, it's three years. Okay. Three years. So... I uh, I lasted probably the first three practices in pads, and then I just I was done. I was like, I'm done. I didn't like. I, I felt like I was old man River, right? Playing D three football um, with a bunch of guys that uh, could run circles around me, and I was like, screw it. I, oh no, I'm wasting time. That's I, I'm I shouldn't right. be playing football right now. I'm wasting time. I need to get a job. Need to get moving. So, uh, so that's what I did. 
So, so you're at Chapman, and do you decide, okay, I'll stay? Yeah, I thought. You poked around and said. I, I stayed because I fell in love with the film program there. I had a friend that was. How'd you find it? Um, I had a friend that was taking some film classes and like, hey, come check out the film program over here. And they had taken over the old cafeteria and were building, but they were the first program. Now, mind you, this is 19, at this point, when I discovered the film program, it was 1994. They were the first program to have uh, nonlinear editing systems. So no more flatbeds. As a matter of fact, the flatbeds were out in the alley outside getting ready to be thrown away for editing. How did they make that jump? Who, who at that university saw that in the film department and said, hey, let's Dean, Dean Bassett saw that. And he saw that. He had a pretty good vision. He, re he retired not too long ago. Um, he's been there a long time. And he, he had a good vision for, for the film school. And it's thriving today because of him. Uh, he had that vision. And USC didn't have... Nonlinear systems, uh, UCLA. We were the only one on the West Coast to have anything like that. Jeez. So, and it was Division, is what it was. That was the editing software. It was Division, and the computers were massive. Oh, I mean, God, yeah, they had to be. They were huge. It's 94. 1994. Guess how big the computers were? One gigabyte. One gig. Was the size of a refrigerator? Size, it was, the, well, the, they were half a mini fridge, but, the, but they were one gigabyte, and then we had optical drives if our program was running over five minutes. So, wow. So we were learning to edit on, uh, with nonlinear editing systems, and, uh, and there were a lot of late nights, so I really fell in love with that aspect of, of film was was the editing and how much control you had. And that actually started a little bit before I got into film school. During my kind of uh, mess around time, while I was working at Black Angus and all that stuff, <laughs> um, I, I started my own, uh, I, I got involved with uh, public access um, TV. And I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me the local cable channel has to give me a camera and has to let me be on that channel for all to see. And this is La Palma. La Palma, Cyprus. Okay. Okay. I think it was Copley Colony at the time. What, what channel? 56, 73? What, what do you, I were, can't remember UHF what channel. UHF something? Yeah, it was a channel, but I can't remember what number. Right. But on um, UHF. It was pretty popular. Yeah. Very local. You it couldn't was, find it in Brea, but you had to be literally. It was local. Right. Right so, in the heart of Cyprus. So they gave me a Canon for a camera. Like I signed up. I passed the test. So I, how did you hear about this? Like I was watching it, and I was like, I can do that. That's horrible. What, like some ad came on? Like, if you want to... No, I was watching cable access TV. Like, right, and they had an ad, that, like, oh, come yeah, on yeah, down. Yeah. When it was off, you know, like when there wasn't a program right. on, you'd see the, like, sign up. Like, uh, you know, it was all badly digitized. Right, sure. bad, bad digital graphics. If Pac-Man wrote like an ad. it was like a scroll, right. you know? Yeah. So I, I, I literally went, I'm going to do that. So I drove... Well, hold on. What flips that switch? You go, <laughs> I have never been on TV... I'd been on TV, but like, but not cable TV, not yeah. not network TV, not like yeah, that. Not like that. This is a big jump into the deep end. Yes, my friends all thought I was crazy. I, and guess yeah. what? I made them jump in with me. I'm all, you are going to be today. We're doing a show, and it's going to be called Ladder Boy. Okay, well, hold on. But, but you, so you have to take a test. Yeah, yeah, take a test. 
What kind of test? It's uh, cable access. Just to make sure you're mentally yeah, capable? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was to make sure I wasn't insane or going to do some crazy, like, you know, terrorist show or something. Right. Just to make sure. They wanted to know what my show was going to be about. So how do you beat Comedy 101? That was my pitch. I'm doing Comedy 101. It's going to be like Saturday Night Live, but public access. Okay, cable access, comedy for all to enjoy. And I went with it. I went with it pretty hard. Now, how big is this Canon camera? Um, a little shoulder mount, or is it? Like a- it was a it was a biggie uh, back then. It was a it was a super VHS. Okay. Um, Everything's four three ratio. Super VHS. Right. Yeah. And the camera was probably two feet long. In a foot wide <laughs> with these giant batteries. I mean, it was like a, like holding right. a, a bazooka <laughs> on your shoulder. Yeah. Right. So I quickly so enlisted. You signed it out. I signed ha- a I signed a waiver and all that stuff. I, I had to sign it out. What is what does the waiver say? You can't leave the county. You no, can't. No, I I, you I could, could go anywhere I wanted. I just had to bring it back. So I'd sign it and I had to bring it back within three days. And wow. so and so I got to I got to. Yeah, I got it. They gave me a lighting kit, like a big old like suitcase with lights, now, th- with three stands, a three three camera. What instructions? No, no. I just had to figure it out. I just had to figure it out. Why, this is VHS tape. I had to figure out what a white balance was, and they gave me, you know and all that stuff. Right. And so it was VHS tape. They gave me the tapes, and they just let me go to town. So I learned through trial and error, and this is pre-film school yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, right. So I just had a fascination with like, I can do comedy skits and I got some cool ideas. And believe me, there were some really weird ideas. Like I just show up at my buddy's camera, like at my buddy's house and he'd be like doing laundry or whatever or hanging out. And he'd be like, all right, let's go. Where are we going? Uh, we're going to do a skit today. He's like, well, what is it? I'm like, okay, you're going to drive my car. I'm, and then you're going to smoke on me. And you're gonna, and I'm, and I'm gonna be standing off to the side and, and on a sidewalk, and you're gonna, and you're gonna smoke on me, stop and smoke on me, and then we'll call it the drive-by smoker. <laughs> Just a stupid skit, and it's right. done in like yeah. seriously ten seconds. He's like, okay, and then now what? I'm like, okay, now come over to the studio because there was a studio there too. So the studio was my playground, and there was ladders and 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 uh, all kinds. Did you have to check of, it out like a certain time? Yeah, or just, just say, "Hey, I'm going to be in the studio from noon to two. Is anybody in there? Cool, I'll be in there." Where's the studio at? It's at the cable station. Which is where? Uh, this is in the actual cable stations in Cyprus. Okay. Just off of uh, uh, Valley View and Corporate Way. Okay. Okay, and I don't think it's it's not there anymore. There's a Chili's on that corner now, but <laughs> if you go a little deeper in, that's where it used to be. And it's a corporate little area behind okay. there. So, uh, so we'd get in there, and I'd be like, "Okay." He's like, "I'd have a couple friends over." I'm like, "What are we doing? Where's the script?" I'm like, "There isn't one. We're just gonna make it up as we go." Like, "Okay, now you're gonna be ladder boy. Go get that ladder. Open it. Open up the ladder." And, and here's your spiel. You're going to say, hi, I'm Ladder Boy. Sometimes I like to climb and climb and climb. And then we're just going to wing it. And we did this weird skit. <laughs> oh, and Ladder Boy became a thing. Because he would do like weird stuff. Like he, we'd put him, like he had a big old belly. Mm-hmm. And we would do weird stuff with his belly hanging out. And he'd be climbing the ladder. And it was just, you have to see it to believe it. Because it's just a really weird skit. So then we would do all kinds of weird things. Um, uh, there was ironic theater. 
ironic theater. An ironic theater was me in like uh, my mom and dad's house, and I just go out throughout the house. I'd have a sweater and an ascot, and I'd say hello and welcome to ironic theater. <laughs> Why does this vacuum cleaner have dirt on it? A cleaner with dirt on it, and I take some of my dog's hair and put it on top of the <laughs> cleaner. And how ironic. Stupid stuff like that. Right. So uh, I did a bunch of ironic theaters. I did one where I... Now, who's editing? I'm editing it. Okay. So I learned how to edit reel-to-reel um, to put all this together. So where it gets weird is those are the nice skits. I did one skit where I'm literally walking around in a Speedo, and I took a piece of gum and had a lit cigarette on my ass with some high heels. And after I cut it, it's a pretty funny scene, sure. actually. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to show it to you one of these days. But <laughs> it's a pretty funny scene. But it's kind of risque for that time. Oh, God. And yeah. What, and so when I had to – so I cut it. I learned how to cut reel-to-reel. Okay. I put my first show together, and it's probably 20 minutes. I was say, what's the time – what do they want? A 20, tw- they, 20 minutes is okay. what they said. Okay, so every I get, month, every week, um, whenever I wanted. So I okay. do a twenty-minute show, and I I think I did it bi-weekly. Okay, because I needed enough time to shoot and put everything right, together. You're doing and it all it. by yourself. I was doing it all by myself. So, and I was just incorporating like, hey, dude, get over here. You know, calling a friend over, like, get over here. We're doing this today. Hold the camera. Okay, I'm doing this. And then, so I had to learn how to balance a tripod and do everything on my own. So, um, so I cut the first one together. I learned on my own. And I did it. I thought I did a pretty damn good job. Like I, I really enjoyed what I did. I mean, I look back on it. I'm like so archaic. Oh, well, yeah, but you can't judge just that. Just hard it's, cuts. Yeah. And then to bring the graphic up, there's an actual like knob from like Star Trek to go in warp speed, right. like you know, to to bring the graphic up. But that it, was big then. It was big, and the graphic was like pink, and with like yellow outline edges. Right. Like it was really bad. So. I put this package together, and now I have to screen it before the committee, the the the, the people that the, the 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 program director, okay, and her minions. She's a really nice lady, Laura Smilkstein. She was the program director, sweet lady. So I show the <laughs> I show the video to them, the show, and I'm sitting there, and I'm by myself, and it's ice cold. And in you're here a kid. I'm a kid, dude. I'm I'm seriously, I'm I'm 19. And uh, maybe I'm 20. I don't know. But you're still a kid. I'm a I mean, kid. you're good lord. So I, uh, I, uh, I'm sitting there, and they watch it, and they're like, oh, ironic theater. Nice. I like that. Drive-by smoker. Hmm. Interesting. They got to the one with the cigarette in the ass. Uh, <laughs> and they were like, can we show this? Can, can, we, can we show this? And they actually huddled in front of me and whispered and then they all came back and went you can show this and they screened it and it ran for six months like every episode would run non-stop and i I think i was the only one i was the only one so people knew the show like it was popular within our little community. What was the name of it? Did it give you the Comedy name? 101 was okay. the show. So Comedy 101 was running, and I think it was the only thing on cable access. Now, did you have credit on there? Did it say Phil? Yeah, Thur- yeah Phil so, Thurman so and the whole deal. Could... Right. Here's Ooh. the beauty of it. The show, I stopped doing the show. I did it for like a year, right? And okay. I did a bunch of shows. I stopped doing it. My friend Tom 
so we, we're out of college now. We're starting to we're starting to get into like serious girlfriends. Maybe even getting into some of the guys are getting married. We're a little older now, more mature. And my friend Tom, the one that was supposed to go to Chapman, that got me into Chapman, he's working at the high school uh, at Kennedy. Okay. And he is like a coach, and he's the security guy. Okay. <laughs> He's the guy in the golf court that busts everybody. Nothing changes. Well, he loses all credibility when the, they started running the show again. And all the kids in high school, between Cypress and Kennedy, all knew who Ladder Boy was because he was the part of Ladder he Boy. He was part and they And they all had taped it and were showing it to each other. And, and it was a big thing again. So it had like a rebirth. Right. So since I don't think it's on any <clears throat> format right now, I just have it on tape right now. <laughs> I should probably put it on Vimeo. Yes. It's so bad, though. It really is. It's bad funny. But it's unbelievable that cable access back then did that. Just mm-hmm. said, you know what? Here, kid, here's a camera. Here's studio time. Here's an editing machine. <laughs> Go at it. Yeah, and that's what I did. So when I when I got into film school at at, at Chapman, did you I, feel a little ahead of the curve? Yeah, definitely. I knew what I knew what proper headspace was within the within the shot ratios and yeah, all. That. Yeah, I knew, right. I knew how to how to how to do a lot of things that other kids were just learning, and so I I I, um, I excelled. I did really well. I went from a and you're a little older at this point. You're not eight, you're I'm not a, an eighteen more, year old yes. jumping in. No, at that point I was twenty two. 22. And there's a lot to be said between 18 and 22. Yeah. I mean, I was really immature. I, I, I was really immature at 18, I think. Um, and then I had a hard time figuring out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so, you know, as funny as I can be at that time, I was, you know, I was, I was a little depressed. I was trying, I had a lot of pressure. I felt like I had to know you know, do I get into plastics? Right. You know, I don't you know. You got to know I, your life course at 18. What am I doing? Like, right. what am I supposed to be doing with my life? I didn't know. I just knew if I went to school, because I, I took a break from school, if I get back in school, I'll figure it out. And I still hadn't figured it out. So I went to another school. I'm like, man, advertising <laughs> sucks. I don't like this. What I found out, when by the time I hit Chapman and was accepted there and left the football team, I found out that I, I really my creative outlet was film. I didn't like I did stand up comedy when I was 19 as well, and I I liked it the I liked the performing aspect of it. I didn't like <clears throat> the nightclub aspect of it. Okay, is dirty uh, for me. I didn't like. Right. There was a lot of drugs and a lot of. Uh, after hours things that I wasn't into. This is late 80s, early 90s. It was early wild. 90s. It was wild still. Mm-hmm. So you know? I, d- I would do shows at the Improv, uh, do do stand up shows there. I didn't like it. I knew I liked performing, but I didn't like after I performed. I didn't right. like the people I was around, and I, it was just that time. It was pretty dark. Right. Um, and I I don't I didn't come from a family of uh, abuse, or I I had a really loving. A great childhood, and so I, I couldn't relate with some of the comedians I was hanging out with. Right. So I, I kind of just kind of skipped away and just didn't come back. Um, now, if I ever lost my job and needed to make a living, I think I could probably jump back up there and do it again and live homeless for a little while and do all that. Sure. I, I could do it, <laughs> but I don't think I would enjoy it. Right. Um, There's a difference. Yeah. Doing and enjoying. And I knew that pretty young, but I did like creating 
comedy skits, I really enjoyed doing the Copley Colony uh, public access thing. And that kind of fired me up for, for film school. We're going to be right back after this quick break for a sponsor. When you saw something like Jackass on MTV for the first time, did you kind of feel like, damn it, we were doing that seven years earlier? Sort of. Sort of. Like, we were doing funny, stupid yeah, stuff. But I wasn't doing stunts. Right. But they were doing stupid stuff. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, when I first saw that, I thought, wow, they're just giving these morons cameras to do stuff. I, I knew Jackass, I knew about Jackass before it, it aired. I had a friend that was working with that production company. Right. And she told me all about it one night at a bar up in East Hollywood. And I was like, what? That's, what? And she was explaining it to me, and I couldn't grasp the concept. Like, how is that entertaining? But she was like, it's hilarious. You have to see it. Right. She was like, it's awesome. And when it came out, obviously, awesome, exploded, amazing. But I, at that time, when she was explaining it to me before it came out, I, I couldn't grasp that concept. Right. How's that funny? Yeah. But it is. They're just doing nothing. Yeah. But it's funny. Laughing. It's funny. So film school, got into that. And then um, that was the only time that I was ever on the dean's list. I mean, I really excelled. I enjoyed it that much. I, now, you're, I put you're finding a niche now. All my time and effort into that. Yeah. You're jumping in and it's, it's good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. But the thing that scared the death out of me was... The, the dark cold after graduation. Right. I'm right now. I got a nice snuggly blanket wrapped around me. Everybody I'm in college. Loves me. I mean, right. I, I did. Everybody loves me in college. Mentors everywhere. And I'm hearing these nightmares about interns and PAs and so the whole. Right. Yeah, I had to get an internship, and I was like, oh god. And I had a friend that worked for you know big Hollywood producer, a big one at that time, huge. And he was getting yelled at every day by this producer. Right. I'm like, I'm not going up there to, I'm like, I don't think I want to work for anybody. <laughs> I don't think, I, that, I started taking on little gigs. Um, someone would pay me to edit stuff. Okay. So I was kind of working uh, on the side, making a little bit of money while I was in film school because I was pretty decent at editing. And uh, so I was like, man, I could just do this and then grow. And so Become something. Sure. I didn't want to. So I went, I, my internship was, um, didn't help because I, my internship was, uh, all right. So my internship was, uh, in porn. <laughs> Somebody needs a grip or a cameraman but, or, but I, I, I'm such a wimp. I showed up on the first set and I was like, Oh my God. And it was like girls topless playing volleyball in the water, <laughs> like in a pool. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't know it was porn. I didn't know it was porn. I just thought the guy had a lot of money and had a lot of girls hanging out at the office. Because I just showed up in an office, and, he, and, he, and I just thought it was a production company in Orange County. Right. And uh, he had this whole building to himself, high-rise to himself. And I was like, man, this guy has a lot of money. So he's going. He's starting something new. He's getting the <laughs> editing base going. I can, I can help. I could do this. And he's like, all right, kid, show up on the set. It's this place, you know, I showed up at this house. And uh, yeah, I was naked. And I was like, so this is porn? And he's like, yeah, what'd you think it was? And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I'm wholesome. Jeez, I don't I'm want my. Back, I gotta get back at Mulberry Street. I, I just want to do funny stuff. I don't want to do naked stuff. So I, I made a deal with him because he's like, "All right, kid, don't don't tell, 
don't tell it it was porn. <laughs> so we'll, we'll keep it between you and I. And, 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 and you won't do the porn. You just do all the office work. So I'd show up like once a week, do office work at the office and, and, and you know, just right. get through it and get the grade. And uh, I didn't want to. I was shocked. You know, I didn't want to have that attachment. Plus, I didn't want the school to get in trouble. And right. You didn't need that. No. So I kept it real quiet and under wraps. And, and since then, that company moved way after, like, has moved since. So they're not even around. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I went from that. And I knew I didn't want to work for anybody uh, once I graduated. And uh, uh, I took a job. And it was the worst gig I ever did in my life. A friend of mine's like, hey. You just graduated. There's this sweet gig in uh, that I've been doing for the last few years, and it's like shooting equestrian shows. I'm like, all right, that sounds pretty what? cool. Yeah, really random. And I'm like, just what, being a cameraman? He's like, yeah. All right, cool, I can do that. So like, he's like, all right. Across the country? Uh, yeah, that was my thing. I'm like, well, where is it? He's like, it's in India at the polo grounds. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah, so, okay. There. It's July. No, actually, it's June but just starting to get hot. And I remember I shot for two days straight with a, and then at night when we came back, we all had to sleep in this room. It was like five of us to a room. And the lady that ran the company was like having sex with some guys. It was bizarre. It was probably the worst job I ever took. And I was like, I finally just, I, like day three, I was like, after working, I was all, I had like dirt in my mouth and Grit, horse just poops still stuck in my nostrils smell and um, and, it, and there were 12 hour days of just shooting horses <sighs> and you just beat you're just getting your ass kicked and uh, so th day three I'm like hey I quit and she's like really and I'm like yeah and I quit I, I just don't think it's very professional the way this is being run and this isn't how I envision myself working <laughs> right after graduated from college and uh, meanwhile she's in just a t-shirt and underwear sitting on a bed and I'm like, I'm out right now. I gotta go. And I literally drove down the 10 as fast as I could. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm shooting a movie this summer. Fuck working for anybody else. I had a script already written. I'm shooting a movie this summer. Had you written it in chat during your time at Chapman? I did. I wrote, okay. I wrote Degenerate at that time. And mind you, it was only 60 pages. I had 10 grand. And that's how I made it. I made the movie. Actually, I had 10 grand and I had to borrow five from grandpa okay. to finish it because I ran out of money in post-production. So why at Chapman did you decide directing, not writing, not producing? What was the, because there's so many prongs in the film industry. You could have just been an editor and said, I like to edit. I'm good at it. What was the drive to be the That's a good question. The top dog, which also carries the most weight on your shoulders. Yeah, you did. And it was, and, and that's a really good question. I think, well, I think I know I didn't want to work for anybody else. Okay. I know I had ideas that I wanted to get out that I had written and that I, I get these ideas and I just have to put them out somehow, some way. So I either A, write them or B, I'm just going to write and then I'm going to shoot them and, and, and produce it. Okay. So while in film school, you kind of learn that by being the director, you have more control over your project, over your baby, than anybody else. Always, sure. So if you're, if you're, so basically, I was doing everything to maintain control. So I was okay. producing, writing, and directing. 
to maintain control of what I was doing. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be what was called or is called an auteur. Okay. So, uh, so that, that was my goal. I saw myself as an artist. I know it's kind of corny. Sure, but, but it's true. But I, I still see myself as an artist. Um, to, even today, I'll be an artist till I die. Um, and the fact that I work where I work now at Fullerton College, I'm still an artist. And I just have a different way of expressing and, and getting that out in my format. Right. So, um, so that's why I, I feel that I had to take the reins and go that direction. Okay. And, and at least try it because I'm like, man, if it, what do I got to lose? Again, it comes down to failure and rejection. You got to be able to take that and run with it. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of rejection and you're going to see a lot of failure. And there's going to be times you want to just bury your head in a pillow and cry. But then if you keep pushing, the, the reward is great. And, you know, I was always told, set your goals high. If you hit a little bit lower than what your goals are, you know, your highest goal is, right. you still yeah. win. Yes, absolutely. You still win. And so that's how I, Go big. I that's Go how big. I approach it. And I actually write my goals down on a piece of paper and I write a top 10 list. Now, where'd you get that from? That was from Mark Till in drama class okay. in high school. And what a great thing he taught us. Write down your goals because now you've asked for it. You've asked the universe for it, and you can go back and get it. You could reach for it. There's a big difference seeing it, too. Yes. Saying it's one thing. Seeing it. Going back. Okay, this is what I said Tuesday. And, this is what and, I said And last people week. are going to make fun of you and say, how stupid. Right. Oh, what, oh, you think you can do that? Oh, you just think you can just direct? You think you can just make stuff? Oh, where are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? I don't give a shit. Where there's a will, there's a way. And if I want to do something, I will get it done. Right. That's how I look at it. Right. And I, I love that attitude because I can't stand the people that constantly sit around and say, I'm going to do and never do, don't try, and are afraid of failing or the fear of failing. Like, or blaming others. Right. I'd rather do it, have it fall on its face and be like, I tried, yeah. gave it 110%, it just didn't work out. Then sit there for weeks, months, years, in that moment on your deathbed and say, boy, I really wish I would have given that a shot. Bingo. And again, it goes back to my mom. <laughs> she started painting again and it was too late. Like, she, you know what I mean? Right. She got, my mom passed one, away. One jackass. Yeah, so she passed away while she was still painting. Like, she didn't get to finish. She didn't finish her paintings. Right. And that, that, that affected me, like especially losing my mom, that really affected me in the fact that she never got to fulfill her dreams. She didn't want to live in La Palma. Right. You she, know what I mean? She wanted to be in Laguna. Right. <laughs> a lot of artists in Laguna. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. Your mother could have had a gallery, could have been a, you know, yeah. writing her or painting her whole life. Yeah. yeah. You could have she gone was, to Laguna was, High. Yeah. God knows what could have been. I know, right? So th yeah. that's, where, that's where I'm like, all right, I'm not... I'm not going to, I'm going to carry that on for right. her. Right. So I think of those things, like if I'm feeling down, if I'm feeling down, I think of those things and, I, and I'll attack him and I'll attack him the way I want to attack him. And yeah. that, those are good cards to have. Yeah, I think so. Keeping your... I'm trying to teach my kids that. Yes. But uh, the hard part is the rejection. You got to be able to handle the you rejection. Have, you're going to eat it. Mm -hmm. You can't be afraid of that. So a perfect example, after I made my first film, Degenerate, right. I made it. How long? I, How long did that take? 
uh, to make an independent film, and it takes three years, I thought that was just a fluke because I was new. Um, and this is what year? I made that in 1996. Okay, so independent films are hot. Yeah. Hot in the, in the re, you know, but Reservoir Dogs. At that time, stuff's at come that out. time, that was ni- Reservoir Dogs, all that stuff, that was a hotbed in the early 90s. By the mid-90s, the market saturated. Right. Everybody had just bought up everything. So that was hard for me to sell it. I had a hard time selling and getting distribution. So I didn't get distribution for that film until... 2000 so it took a few years yeah four or five years later yeah it took some time and I've, i and again that period of time i was still working i i'd created my own company i was doing commercial work doing some stuff for direct tv doing some um, commercials doing whatever i could to stay afloat and then started working on another feature film right but in that period where my film hadn't sold i put my soul into that movie Everything you had. Everything. And mind you, it's not a great movie. It's a straight-to-DVD, everybody-dies-in-the-end movie. Sure. It's a film noir movie. Um, it's a gangster flick. It's cool. It's fun to watch. It's weird. Um, it's not a comedy, which f- floored all my friends. Like, what? That's what I was going to ask you, because I've seen it. Okay, so you're funny haha guy, and now all of a sudden you have this. It's a dark movie. Yeah. Where did you sit in your dorm or in Chapman and come up with that instead of funny haha? I thought it would be easier to make. To be dark. Yeah. I thought it would be the easiest, cheapest film to make just to oh, get it off the ground. you said cheapest. Cheapest. You really felt cheapest was a, a big thing in there? Yeah. I, I can get I, it done in 10 grand. I didn't have the money to do right. a big production. So I thought, okay, horror film's easy to do. I, got, I already know guys that have the squibs and the materials and the, right. and the blood capsules. I know guys that have a bunch of uh, guns. Um, I got a really dicky car right now. I have a, a 1972 Cadillac that has a leopard interior with a hula doll on it. That's what the bad guys will drive. Right. And so I made this really cool little weird movie, and it's dark. Um, and I, 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 I still stand by it today. Um, the movie wasn't completely finished until 99. Okay. So 96 to 99. So I, sh- I put it in the can, shot it on 16 millimeter, uh, vision stock color um, with an RFlex uh, SR2. And we shot, um, I think it was 20 days in July. I put that shit together pretty quick. Is that an all Chapman crew? All Chapman crew. Yeah. Uh, Sound, ex- editors, ex- actors. And then you get a couple friends. No, okay. not actors. Actors, I went through Hollywood. I, I, I actually casted through Hollywood. Um, now, the lead in that, I've, he's, he's Bobby. Yeah, Bobby Field. But Bobby and throwing, right? Yes. So he, he's been in a couple of your films. He's been in a bunch of my films. He was films. a guy in front of Rope. He was actually, he, we ended up, ended up partnering up okay. uh, for, a, for a time. So he was a part of Odessa Films. But he's not... A Chapman guy. No. Okay. So he was a Hollywood guy. Okay. Came out from Miami. Actor. He he. Before we met, he did a movie called God Money. Okay. That was a punk rock flick uh, by Darren Doan. Um, interesting part about that movie is uh, some folks will make an argument that God Money was the first film that showed uh, somebody getting their skull stepped on off of a curb with their teeth on the. 
Okay. That was done in God Money first before it was done in uh, American it's, History X. Yes, right. So, so uh, that was that that was shot, stole shot from shot from from God Money. Oh, it, it, the, yeah. the stealing in Hollywood can go on forever. Yeah. But so so Bobby's in there. Bobby's in the mix. Um, I, I had worked with a number of other actors through short films I was I'd done in in uh, film school. Okay. Um, so. Well, you're in film school too. You you learn how to throw out casting notices to Hollywood actors, sure, uh, because Hollywood actors are still real hungry to get uh, uh, stuff for their reels, film for oh, their absolutely. reels. Absolutely. So they'll they'll come and do a bunch of student There's films. So many people that don't work so, so, want to work. Yeah. So Claude Duha uh, Duhamel, uh, who plays Ralphie in Degenerate, okay, um, he uh, he was in a student film from a friend of mine that I was uh, working as an assistant director on. And I love the way he acted. He, he's, and I still love the way he acts. Um, he's fantastic to watch. Uh, so I knew right away he had to play Ralphie. So I was like, hey, Claude, you got you to come do this movie. And so he came and he was, he's my favorite part of the movie. So you're doing this film. You're the top guy. You're calling all the shots. You're writer, producer, director. Mm -hmm. How many other hats are you wearing? Like, are you literally like location scout, yeah. production coordinator, yeah. key grip? Like, you just name it. I, I did everything. We all go to Del Taco. Yeah, seriously. The catering was. Uh, I had a friend that was in film school whose dad liked to cook, so I paid him uh, a, a certain amount of money. Right, to, here's a stipend. So here's here, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And you feed so us here's, for twenty days. Here's turkey sandwiches that today, and here's this. So that worked out really well. Um, then uh, location scouting. I did all the location scouting. So most of the film is shot in uh, Anaheim off of Lincoln, not too far from um, – uh, well, everything's kind of central in Anaheim. Uh, and it's kind of more of an industrial part. Mm -hmm. um, what's the famous bar there? Um, Social Distortion. Oh, Jesus. I know what you're talking about. I love about. that place. Yes. Oh my god, it'll hit me in a minute. I'm having it's a, right off of the Lincoln and the Five, right I've there. I've been there a yeah. million times. I love that place. Anyways, I was supposed to shoot there. Uh, the place was too small. Um, Linda's Doll Hut. Oh, Linda's Doll Hut. Uh, I was supposed to shoot there for a scene, and it was too small, obviously, because it's the size of a living room. Right. Um, but I wanted to. I wanted to have some OC punk influence. Um, so I shot at another nightclub that, uh, in Costa Mesa, um, and then we shot all around Anaheim and some, I, the one place was, um, Costa Mesa that was outside of Anaheim. And then from there we shot, um, in Death Valley for all the, for all the desert stuff. Desert stuff. So we spent, it was really hot too. It was gnarly. Oh like God. The, yeah, the martini shot, which is the last shot, um, my DP. I go. Did you get? It was a wide shot of a Cadillac driving in, in the in the middle of a, uh, the dunes at, um, out in Death Valley, and um, and the, the car gets stuck out there at some point uh, in the movie, and uh, that's the martini shot. Is the car in a wide shot pulling in this black Cadillac amongst these dunes, and that's it, right? And I go. Did you get the shot? And the the DP was uh, his name's Tony Garcia. We went to Chapman together. He's a great guy. And uh, I'm all, did you get the shot, Tony? And Tony's always famous for the OK sign. He had his hat on backwards. He's all sweaty. He's holding the camera, and he manages to give an OK sign, and then turns over and starts throwing up. 
<laughs> so he got he got the heat. Yeah. yeah. So the heat He's got, got a to heat him. stroke out yeah. there. Yeah. So we had to get him a bunch of water. Thank God that was the. I felt so bad, and that was the martini shot. Oh yeah. God. It was it was pretty nightmare shooting out there. I mean that's tough doing your own film. You're you're in, you're looking at lighting. You're in charge of the script, rewrites, mm -hmm. everything. I mean, independent films like that, there's a few people. And, and a locational change in a heartbeat. Right. So you got to no rewrite. Per, yeah, no permits. Mm -mm. You're running and gunning. Yeah, we got chased off in Anaheim oh. by the cops. Oh, cops sure. Came. Yeah. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. Yeah, and that's cool. We didn't, I mean, because you're okay. not, you're not, you're running and gunning. Right. There's no permits. We'll be back tomorrow. Because you can't or afford. An hour. Yeah. You, except for scenes where there's gunplay. Right. You gotta have cops on site. You gotta have everything done right, um, or else you're gonna be in big trouble. Sure. So yeah, but so yeah, so we did that and finished the film in '99. Had a screening, um, and then I had a, I took a bunch of meetings with uh, with all these distributors, small time ones, just straight to video guys. Right. I'm like, Man, I just want to get a distribution deal. That's it. Yeah, just take it. That, yeah, that's what I felt like. I didn't even care about the money at that point. I'm right. like, just. You know, I'll, I'll I made it. I'll just somebody, Take right? It. Yeah, nobody, 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 nobody. Now, uh, so that so that's where I get with the the darkness and the the rejection and and, and the heaviness of that. But you you fight through it, and, right? And and you keep going. And you know, I had you find out who your friends are. Some of your friends are like, oh, dude, your movie totally sucked. You can't even get a distribution deal. Right? Like, oh, okay. Uh huh. Uh, we'll we'll see where we go. But eventually it, it will, and it, it went there. It got it got eventually got a distribution deal, and we ended up doing another movie. So, yeah, that's uh, the, that's the the fun part is not stopping, keep going, right? So, this is happening. This is a big deal for you. This is your first feature. Are you writing at this time, or are you going to put on the brakes, wait, get hope to get a distribution deal, and then start up again? Because you're, this is new for you. Yeah. So what, what is your process? I always write, like even, I mean, even, I always write, um, because I think I'll wake up from a dream and I'm like, wow, that was crazy, and I'll write it, you know, like so I'm always writing. So I wrote and wrote and wrote. I think I got, I think I have probably. 10, 12 scripts, 10 or 12 scripts um, that I've written. And then I'm constantly writing. So that's that's what I was doing then. So in between that writing, I'm doing, I'm writing commercials and pitching those to, to uh, companies. Right. And uh, taking meetings. And, and at the same time, we're, we're, and then we're working on those commercials and selling, and we're pitching again, we're, and it's a constant circle of pitching, selling, pitching, selling, coming up with ideas. And this was just the commercial work. And then we got into, all right, let's make another movie. So Bobby, uh, who played Blair in Degenerate, at that point, we, we got pretty close as, as far as, I, you know, we knew we wanted to work together more. Okay. And so brought him into Odessa. And uh, now, why the name Odessa? Friday Night Lights, Texas. Where's where does that come from? I'm a big fan of the Kuleshov effect, which is you take 
three separate images and you have three different outcomes by putting those images together mm -hmm. to, to create a meaning. Um, and the Odessa steps from uh, Battleship Potemkin, which is a Russian propaganda movie. Right. Um, the Odessa steps is a scene where the a baby carriage is going down um, during a, a fight scene. Uh, during war, people right. were getting shot. Totally ripped off again in it was, uh, Untouchables. Bingo. Thank you for pulling that. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of that scene. I think I'm there's a, only two movies ever made, and they just keep overlapping and stealing <laughs> scenes from each other. Pretty much. Yeah. So the Untouchables <laughs> did steal that shot. Yeah. Uh, almost shot for a shot. Right. Brian De Palma, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's an homage. That's right. what they say. Yeah, of course. But, you know. It's, yeah. Everything's an homage. It's an homage. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of being able to, and I, I really like the idea, and I learned that when I had my little cheesy cable access show was, wow, how powerful that is to take two separate ideas and shots, and those two separate ideas together create a third, more powerful idea. So that's why I, I, I liked Odessa. Okay. So I created Odessa Films, and then I got rid of Odessa Films, and then I created Odessa Films USA, because someone else took Odessa Films. <laughs> so it happens. Damn it. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe it'll be another name next week. Who knows? So, you, from, so from there, you jump into, is it uh, Guy that, in that Row was 5? Guy in Row 5. So Bobby wrote this script with a uh, with another uh, young lady, um, Matria Tomovich. Now, what year is this? Uh, this was, t now we're skipping ahead pretty deep, because... Well, no, okay, so tell, then tell me after well, after the fight so for nine, distribution. So the whole, so between now, between the last, the first film and the, and the second film, uh, we were just doing uh, commercials and uh, industrial pieces. Okay, so you're just banging out work. Yeah, but still writing. Right. And, and getting off the ground and saying, wow, I did this. I can do this on my own. Right. I created a production company. Wow, and I'm pretty excited about that because people laughed at me. And I said, good luck, dude. Yeah. You know, so I, it was cool to say, hey, I'm making money at something I love. And there's and there are people that make a living just doing meat and potatoes right. day in day out commercial especially work. the industrial stuff right the industrial yeah. stuff is boring as hell but it, it pays the bills it pays the bills yes. and it's always there right so we did a bunch of industrials we did a bunch of commercials and you know we we built some relationships along the way it was cool and then um, so I. Bobby had been trying to make this movie, Guy in Row 5, which is about a movie extra uh, who thinks it's his last day of anonymity and he's going to be famous and he's going to be on the new hot show, uh, Rodeo Nights. <laughs> and it's like a bad Melrose place mm -hmm. meets 90210 show. Meets O.C. Hills. Right. Meets and and, and he's, yeah. it's the just... character just goes around Hollywood and it was the first... This film, we shot it as if it's it's a very first person. Like it's he he wants it documented, right? So it's shot Hollywood style, but with a documentary flair, right? Because um, the crew's in it, the mic boom, everything. The it's camera is a character, yes. In it, the the cameraman is a character in it. So his girlfriend, boom, right? Is his girlfriend yeah. is the character in it. So. Uh, and she's the boom operator. Right. But she's Rose. Right. <laughs> right. And, she's and, not Rose. She's Rose. And his whole idea, I mean, he just loves the movie Titanic. 
and his whole idea of being a Hollywood star is is the be-all, end-all. And so he thinks it's his last day, and he's going to be on this show, Rodeo Nights, and it's his last day of anonymity, and that's where the movie takes you through this array of Hollywood characters, Hollywood scenes, and ultimately he's crushed because he's not on the show, and then how he rises back up and, and still chases his dream so he may not get on that show, but he gets on another show. Um, Restart all over again. Right. So then, and now he's back at it, and he's re-energized. So it's a, it, it did really well on the film festival circuit. Um, we won a number of awards. Um, L.A. Film Festival, CineQuest, up in San Jose. Um, it just did very well. We traveled a lot with that movie. Um, so this was 2000. Four, five. We shot the movie in 2003. We put it in the can in 04. And then we started take, doing the film festival circuit in 05. Okay. And it did very well, like I said. Um, got a lot of great audience uh, response. Good response from uh, a lot of the big agencies. We had some pretty good name TV actors in it. Um, and uh, so it was getting, it was, it was, it was, it was doing really well. Um, the market at that time was horribly saturated. Nobody was buying independent. So we were getting all these kudos and awards, and we're doing radio interviews and TV interviews, and we're getting picked up in limos, and it's cool, right? Right. And but I, thought, I thought, whoa, we're on the way up. But I know in the back of my mind, I know, I'm not dumb. The market is saturated. I keep my finger on that pulse. So I keep telling my partners, we're going to have a hard time selling this movie. Right. There's nothing so, there. There's so the only deal we get, we take. Right. Don't well, argue. Yes. So at that time, my mom comes down with brain cancer. And uh, my dad is an emotional wreck. Uh, my brother, who's older, emotional wreck. And so who I... I You're trying to pitch a show. Yeah. And I'm trying to sell a show. And at the same time, I'm trying to shoot Coach Ted the movie. So I have that script put together, and I'm talking to investors on the backside to get Coach Ted the movie. So I do get some investors dealed in, but they want to see Guy in Row 5 sell before they jump before in. Before they touch. And yes. Okay. So, uh, we, uh, so we're dealing with that. So it's it's pretty hectic, crazy time because I'm taking care of my mom. I moved back in the house temporarily with – we have a condo. My wife and I have a condo, and we we kind of move our stuff in. We're like, hey, we're going to take care of her because she's now she's pretty much she's bedridden. Right. Um, so we had one offer, and and it was on a day. The meeting was on a day I had to take my mom to have gamma knife done oh, at Hogue God. in Newport, and uh, so I just told my partners, I'm all, hey, whatever you do, take the deal, whatever they offer. Take the deal, Ten and bucks, we can move whatever. on. We can do Coach Ted. Yeah. And uh, I remember Bobby calling me and saying something to the effect that uh, we're, we're, we're holding out for a theatrical. We're not going straight. They offered straight to DVD, and I flipped. I'm like, that's the only deal this we were going to get because the movie's good. Right. I don't know if it's theatrical good, but we're growing. We're we're trying Take to do it. Baby, baby steps. steps. Take it. We're not yeah. trying to be Matt Damon and you know right. Ben Affleck here. That, you know what I mean? So, uh, and they struggled in the beginning. They wrote that because they couldn't get anything. Yeah, but we weren't going to be that movie. Right, right. You're we were not, not no. that movie. Good You're God, not Goodwill no. Hunting. Yet. No. No. So um, 
we, uh, we, did, we there wasn't a deal done. And I, I was like, man, you, you fucked up. And I was pretty mad. And I said, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing done. with mom. I don't yeah. need this shit. So I just pulled out completely. I, I disengaged. Um, I can't I remember I told my wife, I'm all, hey, I'm, I'm pulling the carpet. And she's like, well, what's that mean? And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I think I'm fed up with the industry right now. I just think there's too much on my plate. I'm, I'm pissed off at my partners, which they, they really didn't do anything wrong. They just wanted something better, but they weren't realistic. And I think that made me angry. Plus all the other emotions of my mom dying. Sure. Um, and you really got to have a good sense of the moment. Yeah. What do you have? Do you have the next great movie? Do you have just a movie or do you have a directed to video movie? I'm like, looking at what's more important right, in my get, life. I had kind of an epiphany. Like, do I want to do this? Continue doing this? Uh, do I want to be a better husband? Because I wasn't home very much. Sure. You know, oh, sorry, honey, I can't make dinner. I'm still editing. Right. Or, hey, I'll be home in a little bit. Because at this point, Shoot, we, have a, long. Right. We, have a, a we have a things. production set up in, in uh, East Hollywood. <sighs> so, and I'm still commuting to Orange County. Right. I'm an Orange County guy. I'm not leaving Orange County. Right. So, um, so yeah. So but the industry's in LA. So I'm, yeah. But, and, and, you know, even though they're internet, but they still didn't have the technology. You could still work from Orange County today. It's a lot different oh, today. Totally. So at that time, so you had to be in LA. So, and my wife was not going to move to LA and I wasn't going to move to LA. So I did the, I, I drove there a lot, a lot of driving. Up the five, up the five. So I, I was, I was physically tired, mentally tired. And I was just spent. So I literally looked at my wife and I'm like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I don't like the fact that I'm smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. I smoked at that time. I can't even believe I ever smoked. Stupidest thing I ever right. did. So I was smoking a pack of cigarettes. I was 40 pounds overweight. Okay. And I wasn't exercising and I felt like shit every day. And I was yelling at people. Right. I'm not a yeller guy. I was the funny guy, not the yeller. Yeah. So pressure. So I didn't like it. So I didn't like what, what I was becoming. And uh, so I just looked at her and I said, look, I'm pulling, I'm pulling the carpet out. And I'm all, I own everything on Odessa. They can go do their own thing. Uh, my other two partners can go do their own thing. And no, no hard feelings. But and my wife goes, well, what are we going to do for money? I said, well, I still got three clients that are mine. I could milk those. I could still, those will work for a year. Own. And uh, right, I'm also, I just got a feeling. I got a couple of clients. I'm working on my own. I'm living in a condo with my wife. We don't have kids yet. Is Michelle working? Yeah, Michelle's working as a paralegal. Mom's still alive? Uh, mom is, mom just passes. Okay. Okay. So devastating, right? Right. So That's she didn't, a lot of emotion. She didn't last a year. So in what gets you with, with brain cancer is not the actual cancer. It's the actual, uh, the cure that they're trying to impose. Right. Uh, so that sets off um, a series of uh, grand mal seizures. And it's like being electrocuted. And then before you know it, you can't even get out of bed. Oh, so she's bedridden. And then your organs just shut down. So she, she died uh, in, in 2005, okay. in April of 2005. And uh, so we're devastated. I can't even focus. I mean, she's everything to me. All right. Um, it's, it's, it's devastating to lose a family member. But when you lose your mom, it's like your whole, 
uh, childhood, whew, your old childhood goes, everything goes. I thought losing a dog was hard, like right. that I grew up with, oh, yeah. you know, because you see your childhood go away there. But like when you lose your mom, like it's everything that you think you are wrapped up in one and it's gone. Right. I'd, I never met your mother, but you're the way you talk about your mom is very much, it sounds like the way my relationship is with my mom where yes, she's your mother, but it sounds like she's also like your comedy partner, like your best friend. And like, you know, you could banter off, yeah. you can tease, you can joke with. Like I could honestly say, Matt, that your our moms would have gotten along awesome. It would oh, have yeah. been a fucking riot. Yes. Because your mom's hilarious. Yeah. It would have been just an yeah. absolute Yes. Wild. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I mean, I banter with my mom on the way for hours. We do just, we just rant about stuff. Yes. It's fun. You just bounce stuff off of each other. I mean, her Bernie Sanders impression (laughs) just kills. She just goes on and on and on. Oh my God. And and the one time her and I, I I took her on a trip and we're on New England. This is, um, 17. So he's, he got screwed already. He's not, he got screwed by Hillary and we're in Vermont mm-hmm. and we walk into a restaurant and he's there. And my mom's like, and her first step was to do the impression. Right I'm like, she no, was no, like, no, 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 you can't do that. He's a sitting senator. Yeah. You can't just go up to him and be like, you know, oh my God. just drop, but That'd her, been awesome. her first step was to charge him yeah. and just go full Bernie. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I'm like, no, no fear. Just no, go for it. eat. Yeah. yeah. If you still here when we're done, then you can drop the, the secret service. Old, you don't even yeah, know where yeah. they're at. You could drop the old Jewish man, but not right now. Yeah. Oh That's my God. Mom. That's like her hilarious. first impulse. Yeah. Is to go get it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so it's just, it's just, you know, like I said, like your mom's everything, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I was kind of just in a, in a haze for a little while. Um, I'd probably put on more weight than I'd ever in my life. I mean, I think I was up to 260. 260? Close to it. Yeah. I was pretty heavy. You should have gone back to Chapman and see if you could I know, have right? I wasn't, <laughs> hey, actually, at Chapman, I was like 195 because I had to get in shape for football. Where I was, was in great Dan shape. McGuire? Yeah, right? I'll kick his ass. <laughs> well, at least his leg. <laughs> you know? I'll show you. <laughs> Bruise your shin. Where is he now? Yeah. He's got arthritic knees. He's still 6'9", though. Jesus. Uh, I know. It's a tall glass of football. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so you're done with that. So, you know, mom's passed. So you're- I'm in a haze. I start, I, I'm like, man, I got to lose a little bit of weight. So I start training. Um I, can't, I would never let myself get that way again. Like, it was just depression. Just yeah, there's nothing you can do. All that hanging on you. Right. So you're I, eating, I, I had you're to, drinking, you're not doing anything. It's just too emotional. Right. So I, uh, so I, I started. But that's, that's, a, that's unbelievable for you to say, hey, I, I can't do this. I have got to drop the weight and get my shit yeah. straight. Yeah. Because there's some people that stay in that funk. Well, I, I started to quit. I started to cut down on my cigarettes and started working out because I, I was always an athletic guy. I was always in shape and I'd never been that out of shape before. Right. And obviously, you know, emotional eating, right. drinking, lots of drinking. Um, you know, I was probably I'm, I'm really funny when I drink. Um, because I'm masking so much crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm really funny when I drink. Should get some booze in here. Yeah. The filter comes <laughs> off and it just becomes raw. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. But good. Yeah. Um, so, 
I'm, I'm, I'm doing my work. I'm doing my thing. I'm, and then I get a phone call from Tom Deep again. <laughs> what, do you want to go to Chapman and lose me? Or is he trying to find him a ladder? <laughs> you need a ladder, ladder boy? What is it, Tom? What do you want, Tom? Leave me alone, Tom. Do you know how to make a media guide? Uh, what's a media guide? <laughs> mind, mind you, now Tom's at Fullerton College at this point, and he's uh, working as a football coach, an assistant football coach, um, under the great Cal State Fullerton coach, Gene Murphy. And Gene Murphy's football program uh, at Fullerton College is in need of a football media guide. So Tom lets me know. He's like, hey, we're going to pay you a good chunk of money. You're really good at that uh, that Photoshop, and you know how to <laughs> that, do that Photoshop. Right? Yeah. They don't know. And, and, <laughs> the and, Facebook. And do you know? Do you know? Photoshop. I think it was. Uh, what was before InDesign? Um, uh, uh, Dreamweaver. Paint? Dreamweaver. No. no, no, no. Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver is for the web. Yeah. Right. InDesign. I knew Dreamweaver. Still owes me money. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but a poop. No, I knew how to do Dreamweaver back then. Um, whatever InDesign was before it, what it was a page, not pages. Oh my god, it was awful. Anyways, I knew how to do that stuff. I knew how to put books together, right? Magazines. This is together. 05. Yeah, I had to learn how to do that stuff because again, I had to wear every hat when I was doing promotionals. I had to know how to do poster work. So I was self-taught in Photoshop, self-taught in how to put magazines together, how to put um, pamphlets together because I had to sell things. I had to sell ideas. And that's how I sold my ideas, by making things look pretty and creative. And I always had a knack for photography. So I would take my own pictures. Nothing comes close to what you can do, but I would take my own pictures and then distort the crap out of them, make right. them look pretty and cool, and we'd go from there. So um, I knew how to do that stuff. So I said, sure, I'll figure it out. Uh, send me what a media guide looks like. I'll start working on one. So I did. I started working on a media guide, and then uh, I get a call, and it says, hey, the guy that was supposed to make the media guide just got fired. He, what do you, what? Yeah, uh, you should come try out for this job. Okay, what, uh, dude, that's so weird to me. Like working at a community college as what? Well, as a sports information director. I'm sorry. As a an, what? An SID. Yeah. What a SID? What is that? What is a sports information director? Can you explain that to me? It's like, well, basically, it's what you do now for film, but you'll be doing it for sports. And I thought, wow, that sounds bitching. I'm all, does it, does it pay pretty good? No, not really. But I think you'll like it, dude. It's sports and, and it's being creative. It's what you like to do. Okay. But, you know, to make up for it, we'll have you teach some classes. But I, I, I don't know how to teach. <laughs> I've spoken to a few high schools, classrooms, like, well, I'm like about movies and stuff. But I, I, okay, I guess I'll do that. And then, so I met with Gene Murphy. I met with Dr. Susan Beers, the dean at that time. Right. Had a few meetings. Um, I had to do a, a big old interview in front of a whole committee. And uh, <laughs> Dr. Beers calls me into her office. I come and show up. And she says, I want to hire you for this job. 
but I don't think you'll stay very long. And there's a younger kid who's just out of college who uh, wants the job too, and we really like him. And I was like, well, I could tell you right now, I have a, now I have a baby on the way. So now Logan is now, you know, in Michelle's belly. Yeah. And, He's in the oven. And I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of hustling. I'm doing the math in my head, man. Right. And I'm like, man, I, paying for insurance sucks for just me right now. And I'm all, I got a baby on the way. I'm all, this is a college. Benefits it's not closing, pretty good. It's not relocating. I yeah. took the job for the benefits, really. Right. You know, the benefits. I'm like, I don't care what you pay me. I'm pretty comfortable right now. I want the benefits. So I said, no, I want this job. I got baby on the way. I, got, I need the benefits. I want this job. I had no idea how, what I was doing when I got it. I had no idea what, what, what the job was going to entail. Not a clue. So she said, and I, so she says, can you give me, can you promise me two years if I hire you? Two years to stay? Yeah. Well, of course I'll give you two years. Why would, why wouldn't I? And then can you just tell me what? She goes, well, I think you're going to go back to Hollywood. And you know, you Hollywood types are flaky. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not actually a Hollywood type. I'm actually different. But I'm all. I'm gonna. I'm gonna promise you. That. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks. I'm all. I'm gonna promise you two years, and she goes, "Fine, you got the job." I'm like, "Awesome!" I'm really excited, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm working for a college now." I'm like, really excited about that, and I never. I've always been on my own. I never. I mean, I worked at Black Angus and a few other small right, places. But never a team. But I never worked as a as a team member for somebody. I've always been on my own, working for myself and in charge of my own destiny. I guess in that realm. So I was pretty scared. It was a big change for me. Um, I, I had to work now. I had to listen to 30 different coaches. That's head coaches and assistant coaches. I had 20 sports, 21 sports at that time. No, 20 sports at that time. Now we have 21. 20 sports that I had to um, promote, sell, market. Sports marketing rep is the actual uh, title, right. official title. And I, I called, what I did was, I was like, screw this, I'm calling other SIDs, I don't even know them. I, Just, so I called other guys doing my job at other colleges. How do I do my job? <laughs> I know how to like put the website together. You must have been great in the interview to just kind of go, I could do this. Do you know what? I was so scared, I was at my funniest. And that's, that was a compliment, she said that Dr. Beers told me, and I still remember it vividly. She said, this is probably the funniest interview I've ever been a part of. Because I was scared, so I was throwing out my, right. my A game. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, my ha ha funny stuff. And I mean, I, and I knew what I was talking about. And what they were looking for was a guy like me. So it, it worked. Um, oh, because you got to balance all the egos of the coaching staff, right. the administration, be responsible, but, organized. Yes. And the guy before me was strictly a statistician. Oh, God, he drove me nuts. Yeah, he, he's a super nice guy, but he's right. a statistician. He's, a, he's, he's super smart, uh, but he, he's not going to give you the artsy-fartsy. Right. I'm giving you the artsy-fartsy. You and want the cool look. You want the creativeness. That's what they wanted in me. They wanted right. to get away from just stat guy. Right, and the backstory is I was the team photographer at that point. I had been the team photographer since 97. So I had been with Ryan Ermeling. Mm -hmm. Right, he was a big graphics guy. He fell in love with the ability to have photography, and then Eric, 
Yeah. So I, he, he did it. And then John came in and he was just numbers. Like he didn't he, know any, like what, none. when you're, you're working there and you're, you're working as the photographer and you're right. like, I got this idea, this idea, this idea. What did he say? Right. Nothing. He didn't know. He didn't know anything about the posters we wanted to do or programs, the date game programs. We had really done some unbelievable stuff leading up to that with Ryan and Eric. And then John just went, ah, we don't need that stuff. <laughs> but the coaches have, we've got them hooked. Yeah. They're on the crack wagon to yeah. like, yeah. That's what they want. We want that. They want pretty books right. and pretty posters. And this is pre-internet. Like, yeah. The internet's around, but not at our level. Well, the internet was completely, the, the website for the athletics website for, for, for Fullerton College, there wasn't one. Right. It had fallen off. Like right. he wasn't taking care of it. Right. And I had to create a whole new website. I had to create a whole bunch of other things, not to mention to clean the office. The office was a train wreck. Uh, it looked like his car, it was if a, you remember what that. Yeah, it was a train wreck. Right. Like books upon books upon books stacked, and you couldn't walk in there. Right. So I was scared I was going to find a rat under the desk. Or, a body. It was seriously, <laughs> could have been. Right, so I remember, so Ryan's six. Four and wears Birkenstocks. <laughs> Eric is your like total metrosexual suit and, tie like, suit and tie, all perfect. John looked like a hobbit. Yes, just a mess. Hair everywhere. Right, and then yeah. you walk in. And I'm like, Oof. dude, we got a member of Social D now. Like you're straight <laughs> up. Like you do not look like no. a sports information I, guy. I think what I was wearing back then was uh, tank tops. With a dress shirt and my spiky hair. I had spiky hair right. back then. Yeah. And, and, you had, and I had uh, kind of a rockabilly thing going. Right. Yeah. Your jeans and uh, Doc Martens. Yeah. yeah. You did not look like a sports information no. guy. No. They were all, you know, wearing school colors, matching shoes, Nikes, yeah. Adidas. They look like they fell off the merchandise truck of the school. Yeah. Like that mm -hmm. was it. And then there's Phil. And I'm just like, well, this is interesting. What's this guy? Because this is not like any other sports information person I have ever met. I didn't study for it. I didn't train for it. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It took me. So I. Well, I remember. Asking, I hit the ground running. Yeah. Because I remember asking Sue, like, Sue, what do we got here? And she's like, you're going to love him. He is so funny. I'm just like, Funny's good. funny work, Sue. I mean, like, how funny? He goes, he is funny. And I'm like, okay, great. Because really at that level, I just provide you photos. If you screw them up, you screw them up. You just have to deal with the coaches. Right. Gene, all the rest of them. They, yeah. you know, whatever. You got to deal with them. And they're, they're personalities. Oh, God, yes. And, and it's a lot of personalities to deal with. And uh, very, it could be pretty demanding on that end. Uh, and you got to be able to stand up for we yourself. We had Deb, Lisa, Gene, yeah. uh, Dieter. As a matter of fact. Uh, baseball. I, uh, uh, baseball. Nick uh, Toscardo. Nick, Nick. Oh, good Lord. I told Dieter to, to get out. I, he wasn't allowed in my office. Right. He pissed me off so bad. Because he... The, it was rude, and, and I, I wasn't used to being talked to like that. Right. I came from a totally different realm. Right. And and you come into my office talking to me like that? Like, because he came in demanding right. stats, demanding certain things, demanding the web, demanding stories. Dude, I'm just trying to get the website back up. And I think a lot of that is they lost that year with John. Just Yeah, they did. Getting and that, nothing. that frustration. Right. I walked into it. Right. And so I had to clean that up, which I have. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah night yeah, and day. Yeah. So that was a lot of frustration I didn't know I was walking into. And um, so... What were you expecting, like, that first year? Like, 
I thought it was taking some pictures, learning a few stats, and then writing Go about it. Going to a it. couple of games. Yeah, just writing about it. No, I knew that I knew it was going to be demanding from a time aspect, and that was cool with that. And I still am. I, I, so long story short, I righted the ship. I got the website back up. I, I, I mended the relationship between the sports information office and the coaches uh, because they were – they were pretty on fire. They, they wanted things, and they needed them right now. And that's how the job is. And you've got to be ready to move. And now today's now is totally different than 2005, yeah. where there wasn't social media. You weren't tweeting. You weren't no. the website. Get it up. But yeah. now it's like, oh, my God, the demands are just I mean, all the time. Once I, once I got the website up, we actually had to have a major like faculty meeting to discuss the website. Right. And I had to do a, a dog and pony show just for the website. I mean, that's to me, that's so archaic because it, it's a given now. It's plug and play, right. go. You know, now I just design the website the way I want it. I don't even discuss it with anybody. It's just a done deal. Right. Back then, it was like, oh, it was a thing. It was right. like the biggest thing. Do the colors match? Right. Where, where's the logo go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole I don't understand. How do I find my drop-down page to baseball? I mean, I remember right. Nick asking that, and I was like, well, it's simple, Nick, but I Roster, have to remember Nick coaches. is a different generation than yeah. than we are. So totally. I had to, like, show him and, you know. So it, that all worked out pretty well. I mean, Gene on the internet? I mean, Gene wasn't on. on the internet. Right. <laughs> He just wanted to know he had it. Right. And he was great that way. Gene was so special to work with. Right. But Uh, Dieter's our age, so he was all about it. And had he won the title then? No. That was the year. Okay, so that's He was undefeated. So the first time we had met, the team was 13-0. They didn't have a website yet. It's my third day on the job. He calls me in his office and goes, I need this, 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 and this. And I'm all, well, you need to get a website first. And I'm working on that right now. Right. And uh, as soon as I do, I'm going to do a feature on you. We'll do all this. And I, I, I laid out my plan for right. his program. The team went on to win a championship. Right. Undefeated. One of the greatest teams. And that team will go. That team by far is one of the best yes. teams I've and ever seen. And that team's going to go in our Hall of Fame pretty soon. Um, and I'm, yeah, it's that, one of the greatest team, teams. That team's defense was like something I've never seen before. Remarkable. Right. Yeah. Everybody from 1 to 12 or 15, whatever sat on that bench, was about defense. Like Corey McIntosh. I mean, I mean, he was just amazing. I right. Mean, he was like Gary the Glove Payton. I mean, I mean, there were some games where teams didn't score 35 points. Right. I mean, lock it down. Special team. Right. Yeah. And it was fun to follow that. And that, and that, that helped me. Having a team going in my first year, I mean, actually my first mm-hmm. week with a team of that that of that caliber, um, it, it motivated me to be to get good real quick. And if I did slip up, yeah, Dieter let me know, but I I needed to know, so it helped me grow, and it helped me be better at my job and learn. Do you think being thirteen and O was better than for you to learn than to be O and thirteen? Yeah, absolutely. Because then you see what I mean. A championship, a championship team versus a team that loses all the time is run completely different. Um, and there's more. There's different expectations. Coaches that are winning want everything out now. Coaches that are losing, I, it's like pulling teeth to get information on the team. Right. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. So you 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 want. I mean, it was a good thing for me to go in that way to go in with a team of that caliber, one of the greatest teams to ever play at Fullerton College. And it, and it, and it, I think I, one I had of the best community college yes, teams. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and it taught me real quick. I had to move real quick um, and, and, you know, and, and it hit a certain caliber really quick. 
at the, and I, I still had a lot to learn in that job because the, nobody could tell me what my job duties were. Right, they so, didn't know. Mm -mm. So there's but, so many ADs in the country that really don't know what the sports information does. No. until they're not doing it. You're right, right. I totally agree. And and it and ha having other SIDs help me along the way helped me grow as well. So who helped you? I, um, uh, the SID at Santa Ana um, at the time was at the time was Dean. Forget his last oh, name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great guy. I'm forgetting his name. I'm getting old. That is pathetic. Right. I think he still works in the district over there. But he's not this ID, but I know you're talking right. about because Tony took over. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I would also talk with the SID at Orange Coast, Tony Altabelli. Mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing guy. Um, and we kind of came in at the same time, but he had already had a background as a, as a beat writer. Okay. And so he kind of knew what was up with it, and he's super sharp. Um, so, and then we, we just kind of bounced ideas off each other. Also, uh, another one that helped me along was uh, the Pasadena City College uh, SID, uh, Robert Lewis. Uh, he'd been there for years. Okay. Very helpful. Jerry Hanula at Saddleback. Oh, very, right. very helpful. Yeah. So well, that's nice that they helped you along instead of throwing you out on the bus and go figure it out, kid. We all, yeah. And you know, I discovered just from being there as long as I have now that that's just what we do as SIDs. Uh, sports information directors always help each other Bail out. Bail each other out because yeah. there's a time someone's going to not be able to make it. Yeah. Or a computer's going to crash. Yeah. Or for sure. So it's uh, that that job aspect, having that sense of community. Um, really helped me grow uh, as a person, honestly, and grow in my own work. And 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 um, it, it's been great. And Sue, after Sue retired, she came to me and she she saw me. She came to a, a one of the women's basketball games to check it out. And I was working, and she came over to me and she says, "So, aren't you leaving?" <laughs> <laughs> and I, I laughed. I said, well, no, I love the job. I fell in love with the job. And that's why I've, I've been there for, um, this is my 15th year. Right. I absolutely love the job. I love working with all the people. I love the personalities. Uh, I love uh, everything about it. Um, it's a great sense of community uh, working with these folks. Because guess what we do? Our, we help promote kids. Kids that... Are sometimes second chance kids oh, that need help. Oh yeah, um, kids that are coming from areas that uh, you and I couldn't even imagine. You know, um, or in homes, and, and you know, it's hard to make it in this world. And some of these guys have it a lot harder than what we do. And my job, the best part of my job, is watching them grow as people and watching them succeed and move on to the next level. Those are the my favorite stories to write. So-and-so is going to this college. It, it is the best part of my job because I love seeing other people succeed. I love it, especially people that have a, have it, didn't have the advantages. Right. It's my favorite part. So during this time, mm -hmm. we become friends. Yes. And this little crack of light you tell me about... <laughs> 
this, I think, okay, so I had done, I was doing a documentary, so I had done a documentary on uh, a basketball player at CSUN, and you uh, were so kind and came up and helped me shoot, like, the last piece, yes. but then you were telling me about this coach. So there was Coach Ted Jablowski. Yes. And this and, is a... And I thought, oh, dear Lord, this sounds like the greatest <laughs> thing ever. It's the coach that coaches every th- sport that's not a true sport. So he'll coach... No, but hold on. Frisbee golf. Where's yeah. the origin of him? Because you All told right. me about a video, but then there had been a talk about a movie. Okay, so Coach Ted came about in 2002... Well, we're in the middle of doing uh, Guy in Row 5. Okay. Um, we wanted to, it was pre-production for Guy in Row 5. So the group that we were, we were shooting, so the camera person, the um, people on set, it was our test run to see if we could all work together for Guy in Row 5 because it was a ragtag group of folks that we met in and out of Hollywood throughout the years. Okay. So, um, yeah. By the way, a great group of workers, uh, fantastic filmmakers. So we wanted to make sure our personalities meshed, meshed well. And so I had written, I had this weird dream. So Bobby <laughs> and I were working together. Bobby and I were working together on some like infomercial stuff. And he felt like he was more of an actor. And he felt like his, his role in life was being taken away and I had something to do with it. Meaning he was working too much on the back, wrong side of the camera. He wanted to be in front of the camera more than behind it. Okay. So he, uh, he told me about this dream he was having that I was, we were, we were coming back, we were hanging out and I just kept picking him up and throwing him and throwing him around the room. And I was all <laughs> and laughing and picking him up and throwing him and, and I was like, what? Why would you have such a dream? Yeah. And I, and I kind of psychoanalyzed it and was like, dude, I know why. I'm all, you think I'm taking you somewhere you don't want to go. I know you want to be in front of the camera. We will get there. But I'm all, right now, we're just doing this. So that's okay. We're making money doing this. You're behind the camera right now. But you'll get in front of it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm all, that's funny you had that dream, dude, because I totally know what it's about. <laughs> then I had a dream. And I dreamt of throwing Bobby I had this dream where it was, uh, and it's, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's politi- politi- politically correct. Oh, but nothing is anymore. I mean, you can't, you're, the, between what everybody's yeah, getting hammered for in the, the last. I, and and what I, the reason why I, I picked this sport, because it is disgusting. It is a disgusting sport. And at that time, it was in the papers, um, and it, um, little people tossing or, or midget tossing. Right. And at that time, it was in the papers and being attacked. And I find it disgusting and I find it dehumanizing. Sure. So I wrote a satire piece about that sport starring Coach Ted as the coach and then Bobby being the tossee playing a little person. Well, um, and at that time, nobody was using uh, the NFL 1960s theme music in anything. Right. And I really always had a big hankering for that music with the... Yeah, 
got the trumpet and the, the horns. And it was a cold, hard day at the tundra. Like all that. I always love those. Oh, that, yeah. Iconic, right? Now they're overused and overplayed. Like everybody's using it for a, you could have it for a stupid Wiener Schnitzer commercial. Oh, my God. So, um, so at that time, I was like, man, that's going to be our backdrop. It's going to be this really stupid and asinine sport with an asinine coach and an asinine uh, egotistical, uh, the greatest tossy ever, Bobby. So we do this short skit, and it's a hit in the fact that... And you just bang this thing out on a whim. We shot it in, in a day. And right. It, and it's basically a movie trailer. It's set... The backdrop is... is it's a, it's the whole a, thing is a trailer, It's too. a trailer, and it's making fun of... Um, all the, you know, Rudy, uh, all these great sports movies in that kind of style and flavor. In the meantime, this asinine sport is at the center of it. So um, we make the movie. Um, it's a sound design company went, hey, we love this movie so much, we want to do the sound for it. So they did all this special effects, sound effects, like, a, like they were doing a feature film. Major studio. Wow. Okay, yes, crazy. This major Hollywood studio did the backdrop for all the sounds, all the, all the re-dubbing uh, and everything. So that was three days of that. We had a pretty kick-ass little short film. We put it in the, some film festivals. It won a few awards. And in the meantime, I'm writing Coach Ted. And in Coach Ted, the feature film was not about uh, the stupid sport. No, of, it was more about Ted It was now. more about Ted coaching other stupid sports like Frisbee golf, um, uh, a, a bunch of other non-sports. But ultimately... But to Ted, they were absolutely yes. Olympic-quality sports. Yes. And so how that even came about was after... Throwing Bobby was done. I had some friends that loved Coach Ted so much that when Christmas time came around, I made like a I shot a series of photos with Coach Ted in various uh, sexy but yet disgusting um, uh, poses. Like one of them is like there's like this uh, giraffe bush. You know how you those those yep. animal form bushes. Shape the yeah yeah. Uh, and Coach Ted is wearing the bright red shorts, the 80s high shorts the, bike. with the Those belt, bike. the bike shorts, the bike short. high black socks, black shoes, a 10-year-old, sh like it's a shirt that would fit a 10-year-old, a polo shirt, iconic. Blue blockers, like, right? Yeah, they look like Sylvester Stallone in Cobra glasses. Yes. Toothpick, bad hat. Like a, where is it like a trucker. So he's just this horrible-looking coach, the worst coach you'd ever want to have from 1988. So he's riding this giraffe, and <laughs> and then there's one where he's laying on a bed sexily with a kitty cat. Um, they're just a bunch. Of, it was a collage of disgusting Coach Ted pictures that I put together in a frame. All is one picture in a frame. And signed it and gave it out as Christmas presents. Well, they were hits. All, Damn right they all, should be. Amongst the Hollywood people, it was a big deal, right? Yeah. And then one of my friends created a MySpace 
page. Remember MySpace? Yes, yes, it was huge. MySpace. Oh my God. It's still around. I feel old though saying yeah, I know. It. It's okay. So, but MySpace at that time was new. <laughs> yeah. And my friend created it. He liked Coach Ted so much, he created a profile and on MySpace. And it, and it, it, it had a, I don't know, like almost like 10,000 followers. It was a big deal. Like he was really popular. And I found myself, he gave me control of the page because people were writing Coach Ted asking advice. So I became like a Dear Abby for like three months. <laughs> like Coach Ted, how do I uh, eat oatmeal? And then I'd write something like, first of all, thank you so much for writing me and you're purely full of macho. Eating oatmeal can be difficult. Oatmeal is a slippery substance that will come off your spoon. Like, and, and I would just write a whole thing about it. Right. Make sure it doesn't get stuck in your mustache. It can stain. You'll have to do a whole dye job, I know from experience. So, like, because Coach Ted had a mustache. Coach Ted had a big, thick, black mustache. It's disgusting. I just remember you showing me this, throwing Bobby, throwing me this, and I just said, "Dear Lord." <laughs> I must, I must be a part of this. We must revolutionize, yes. push this forward. We must. I, I know Coach Ted. So Coach Ted was dead for a while. Yes, it, right. Well, he went away, like for five years. Right. And then you got on the Coach Tedness, and we're like, dude, got to bring bring it back. Right. And I was like, I don't know, man. Around, I think it was around oh nine oh ten. Yeah, like I'm a dad now. Yeah. Like, I'm respected in the community. I am not. Well, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, it was you like, were like, let's go. We'll do a photo shoot. We'll do a thing. We'll do a thing. We will do something. Mm -hmm. And this is pre, again, social media is new, but it's not, there's not Instagram. Uh, YouTube was still full of crap. Yeah. No Twitter. And I was just like, let's, let's do something, anything. Yes. And I threw you into that outfit and we just started and doing photo shoots. It was a good time, actually. Oh my God. It was fun. We yeah. had a lot of fun. Oh, we good. did. Yeah. And it got we, pretty big. Yes, we Quick. did. The, we did the football ones. Yes, with the pads and everything. We the, did. Uh, then we we started to do. We did uh, some stuff at the house with um, sleds and little brass. Anything we could find. The motorcycle that didn't right. run, well, but we then, made it look like it did. But then we started to do videos. Yeah, the videos. Then we yes. moved into videos. Yes. yes. Yeah. The videos were, were a lot of fun. I, I We just started like, oh, Ralph Lauren video, we'll make a Coach yes, Ted. Yes, A Ralph Lauren or a Christian Dior video, Coach Ted's going to swim. Yes, Coach Ted is going to be a sexy swimmer. Yeah. How do he you make did, Coach Ted sexy? You don't. He, he did uh, jazzercise. He played Xbox Call of Duty. We had we had him do everything. We <laughs> had stickers made, and they were plastered all over everywhere. They're all over the country. And they were, at, yeah. To this day, Mike Greenlee asks when I'm going to post the Coach Ted pumpkin-making Halloween video because he loves that one. Loves it. It's on Vimeo. Right. Yeah, it's on Vimeo. We did. Coach Ted Chablowski. We did the NFL draft. Yeah, we did. That was a good one. That was fun. We did uh, the locker room peekaboo. Mm -hmm. The yep. singing in the uh, uh, stall. Yep, singing in the stall. Yeah. Grant, yeah. to this day, we, Grant was with me the other day, and we still talked about it because he was the uh, sound guy for that, <laughs> oh where you just randomly started singing <laughs> in the yes. bathroom. Yes. It was we, we abused our children and used them for this stuff. We did. They were mini Coach Ted's for they, Halloween. Yep. Yeah. During the Justin Bieber craze, mm -hmm. we bought the toothbrush. Coach Ted uh, loves Justin Bieber. Remember when he was sick? Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Good yeah. times. So if if you want to see Coach Ted, definitely look up Phil Thurman on Vimeo, and you will find 
Coach yeah. Dead on there. You will laugh your ass off. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's okay. not all of them, but it's most of it's them. It's a most of them. Yeah. Now, we shot a commercial for Shakalaka. We did. Shakalaka approached us and wanted to do a commercial featuring Coach Ted. Right. Turned out pretty damn good. That's and, on there. And we almost saved a person that day. Remember someone oh, yeah. was drowning? Yes, yes. If Coach Ted would have saved that person. That would have been remarkable. It would have been <laughs> just a beautiful moment. <laughs> like, it couldn't have been better. Oh, my gosh. I just remember being... Uh, being having the curtain pulled back and showing me that, and I just thought, oh, God, this is beautiful. It was a good time. This is beautiful. And then, you know, it's just it, the whole YouTube thing just kind of knocked me on my feet, uh, knocked me off my feet. It, well, that's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah. So you start this, you know, in film, and what's happening today with streaming, YouTube, everybody's got a service. If I would have told you 20 years ago, Disney's going to have its own, HBO, like everybody's just going to do a la carte streaming services. You would have asked, what is this streaming you mean? Yeah. It, it, the ability now to create content and get it out has... has so that, much easier. So much easier, but does that s spark something in you to go, okay, if I write something now or direct something now, the avenues are greater. I don't need you. I can... Put it on Vimeo. Yes. I can put it on YouTube. Just shooting. Just shooting. Yeah. Right? Like before the show started, mm -hmm. we talked about you're going to shoot some stuff. Yeah. You can do that and put it on Instagram, have I think, stories. I think the only thing holding me back the last couple of years was the, the time I've been spending on the job uh, at Fullerton. Uh, I put so much effort and so much of my heart into that job that... And then I get home and I, everything's to my kids. Right. You got three kids running around. Yeah. And then there's sports. And then uh, my wife needs some love. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Michelle, forget about her. Forget her. <laughs> she likes her dinners on Friday night. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on. Um, and that's a good thing. I love it. Um, well, can you imagine being that Phil Thurman coming out of Chapman today with all this in front of you? How I, would that be different? You know, I made a joke. I made a joke when I was in, in still in film school and half-hearted joke. Like, I didn't know if I believed it, that our kids, because mind you, we, were, we had some cutting edge one gigabyte software right. we were running yeah. to cut, to edit. And that was really cutting edge. And I, I made a joke and said, our kids, now I didn't know anything about phones, but I said, our kids will have access to this for free. Oh, and sure. they'll be cutting it on something so easy. But I didn't think it would be on a phone. Right. I didn't think it would be any on anything else, but you know, these were $150,000 computers back then. Right. Now these they just need big, a $300 phone. Yeah, just a phone and the and the software comes with it. It's insane. Kids have access to their own avenues, channels. Um, so much though that I I have to tell my kids, "No, you don't get a YouTube channel right now right when you're 16 i might let you there's right. just too many weirdos out there i don't i don't want to expose you to that right now i mean fair is 11 right fair is 11 and you know TikToked up right you know how many 11 year olds have their own channels yes they do i just i just find it a little too much and maybe i'm old-fashioned that way but i i'm gonna i'm gonna slow that down as much as i can they're gonna have a, a lot of exposure to it and they already do but i try to tame it because I, I don't want them to have too much to where it's dangerous. Sure. Um, I want them to be able to grow and, and, 
and have their own thoughts, I guess. But there's no excuse today if you're a creator to not be able to find no. an avenue. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting that time back now that my kids are getting older. And, um, you know, when they're babies, it's, there's so much going on. When, now that they're getting older, they don't need me as much. And I, I, I could find windows of time in between work and my wife and my kids right. to actually put out short films now. I can't imagine putting together a feature right now. Because it's three years of your life. Now, wh where's your avenues on that? Are you going to just do Vimeo, or are you going to do something on Instagram? Um, I'm strictly going to stick with Vimeo. I'm thinking about Instagram to help promote it to get to Vimeo. But at this point, I think I'm just making it for me. Sure, and that's I'm not, okay. I'm not out there to... Um, You're not making a buck. Like, I'm it's just on, an avenue. I'm working on something like small and weird right now um, about the... Uh, uh, the grandiose and spectacular pompadour and how it's grown throughout the years and its stages. So I'm working on a pompadour short film right now. And it's just for me because I think pompadours are funny. Right. I think they're the greatest thing. <laughs> I love seeing a good pompadour. I'll stare at it all day. It's magical. <laughs> so I'm making a goddamn short about pompadours right now. And I don't know if it's going to be three minutes or ten. I don't know. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it together. I've got it formulated. I showed Logan, my 14-year-old, a snippet of it. Uh, yesterday, and he, he was crying laughing. And I was like, okay, 14-year-old digs it? Okay, good. Not stupid dad joke. Right. Dad, you're dumb. Dad, dad, you're dumb. Stop. Stop, yeah, dad. Stop, you're embarrassing, dad, you're embarrassing me. me. All the time. So, um, and I'm making that for me. And if somebody else wants to watch it, have fun. Enjoy it. And, uh, and then eventually, as my kids even get more older, my, uh, I'll make a feature. I will make another feature film. That's a guarantee. I don't think it's going to be 4th and 44. Right. I think it'll be something else, maybe Starting Gate, which we're working on together right, right. now. So who knows? Yeah. Do you, older Phil, find more, more things to write about because you're mature than you were when you were 20? Can you sit back and go, that's okay. A, that's another good question. Right. Like, okay, I've got some layer now to me. So during the COVID... Oh, that sweet COVID has allowed yeah. us all some free time, yeah. hasn't it? So, yeah, technically I'm still working from home, but I still get a little window of time to like, oh, what do we got here? Some scripts I wrote in 1998. So I did go through some scripts that nobody's ever written. I wrote one called Rumble about the 19, early 1960s about gangs in, in and out of L.A. in the 60s. Um, and I went back and I read the script and I was like, oh, my God, the idea and the premise was good. But uh, my dialogue was very immature. I, I, I cringe. I'm going to probably restructure that and rewrite it again now that I have a different perspective and I'm right. more uh, I have a little more life experience. So um, so I did go through a few of my scripts and I went, oh, Yeah. That's, that's that's rough. That, that needs a that needs a little a little loving, a little bit more creative, you know. Throwing sure, at and that it. comes with maturity. Yeah, and then there's a couple shorts I've wrote, I've written, uh, and I was like, ah, toss. But it just you got to look at those as exercises. That's how you grow. I mean, it's just an exercise. Um, some of the scripts are just exercises. Right. Some of them are meant to be made. Some of them are just exercises, just to be written. 
what lights your fire creatively? Is it a, do you watch a show? Is there music? Is what all of a sudden brings ideas to you? I just, uh, it's not shows or inspiration. It's just things that I think are funny. Things that I think, uh, I'm not trying to, well, sometimes, uh, there's like an ideology behind it that I'm trying to get through and I'm not too political. I just want to show another perspective. Um, maybe a little glimpse of what I'm thinking and I'm not trying to preach. It's just like, Hey, check this out. Isn't that funny? Okay. So you're you're like the pompadour. Yeah. Do you have music already in your head? Like what's going to play with this? Yes. I'm going to record that music next week. Do you think of a color palette or a theme or a, a pace? It's more like for this piece, it's more of uh, each pompadour I'm editing in Photoshop. There are a bunch of photos that I have. It's like over 300 photos and I'm editing them in Photoshop to where they match each other. So they morph into each other. So it's like one blobbish morph of hair. And it's and with the song. Um, which I don't want to give away yet. That's okay. I'm rec- the lyrics of the song <laughs> enhance the visual. Now it's not a story A, B, and C. Right. It's more of an art piece uh, visual. Now, do you ever sit there and go, okay, now from that, could I do a three or four minute small documentary on a man who has a pompadour? Yes. I've thought of that, but then how much time do I have? Right. Because you shoot a three, four minute po- Doesn't mean documentary, you, that's, that's, that could be 20 hours of footage. Right. You know, you got to so shoot the hell out of it. That's what I'm asking. Where, how, how far do you like to go on a project? Do you let, like with this pompadour, is that it? When you're done, you're done? Here, here's what I'm doing right now. I'm sticking my toe in the water cause, uh, and doing little projects because I have fear that once I start on a big project, I won't let go. Until okay. I finish that project, so I know a little project I can do and not and not and it won't hurt, not hurt. It won't affect interfere your whole it, family structure. I can and totally, time. Yes, if I jump into a feature film right now, I'm not giving up on it. I'm as I'm going to bite into it and I'm going right. to grind on it. Right. And that that and I don't want to do that because I don't want to miss my kids' games. I don't want to miss that stuff. So I I probably won't shoot a feature for a few years. But I'm right. going to shoot a bunch of shorts. Right. And I'm going to stay active. Yeah. Are you going to do that with the tools you have, like a phone or your camera? Because mm. technology is unbelievably yes. changing. I mean, you were in film school. Yeah. I mean, basically, I'm using my phone now for the shorts. Um, I mean, 4K. That's amazing. Yeah, what's It's insane. I mean, you could do and you wouldn't even know it's a phone unless someone tells you. Right. So the technology is insane right now. What you can use. You could use any format. Right. Any format. I like to take, uh, well, I used to do this. I used to take like a, do you remember like the Fisher-Price uh, Pixel cameras? It was a Pixel Vision that in mm-hmm. 1987, Fisher-Price came out with a camera for kids. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be Spielberg. Right. Right. So they came up with this camera and it's the crappiest p- 
pixels ever. But I, I like to take stuff like that as a medium and make that into a piece. Um, so I had like three pixel vision cameras at one time <laughs> with a video feed. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it, I bet that was frightening for a grown man running around with kids toys. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably it probably looked weird, but probably. I like to shoot experimental things with it because it looked cool. Then you right. could play with it. And I like, I like playing with a lot of super eight and I still love 16 millimeter. I just like the, the grain and the crackle of the film, the camera pops, you know, when the, when the film's overexposed. Um, I just love that look. Do Okay, so with now with video and digital, yeah. and it's just unbelievable. Does that bother do you? Does no, that bother it doesn't you? bother me. There's filters I could... I but used to create it in camera with the film. Right. And now there's a filter for it. I'm just like, cool, saves me time. But do you like <laughs> that grittier look, period? Or is it just depending it, on... It depends on the project. It depends on the medium. It depends on what the project calls for. If it's, if it's something you want to be, like, degenerate, I, it's, a, it's a gangster film that I wanted to be gritty, dirty, and gross uh, with a lot of gunplay and violence. So I shot that purposely 16 millimeter because I wanted that film grain. I wanted it to look right. dirty because the movie's dirty. Now I could have shot that 35 and kept it clean, but then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that dirty edge to it. Right. Have you seen um, Public Enemy Johnny Depp, Michael Mann's film? He's doing Dillinger. Yes, a long he time did ago. That, yeah, he did that in uh, digital, and I watched it the other night. Will wanted to watch it. It's too clean. Yeah, it's like it, it just it took away. It didn't feel right. You have to have like you got to go with what the story calls for. Like it, that's that's the feeling you're it's trying to 1930s give off. 1930s and I kept felting like feeling that everything was just clean. Yeah, you, the 30s weren't clean. No, depression. It's, <laughs> it's a, the dust bowl yeah. and you know. And I'm yeah. watching it just going everybody looks like they all have had showers and this camera's perfect. Nope, everybody people were sweaty, oily. You know what I mean? Right. It was a different, it was a hard time. Depp was never sweaty. Yeah. I mean, the humidity, the key, they're, they're in uh, Chicago. Yeah, the humidity, come on. In suits. Yeah, you take a shower and you're sweating in two seconds yeah. walking out. Yeah, the, you got you to gotta have that look. I'm a, big, I'm a big proponent of that. So you got to go with what it is. Not everything has to be pretty and clean all the time, unless it calls for it. Like if I'm shooting a flower, you know, right. blooming, it's got to be, it's got to be pretty unless it's, the ugliest flower in the world, and I want it to look like a gangster flower. <laughs> and I could do it. I know you could. Put a Damn cigar it. in its. What are those? Leaf. Okay, leave, leave me with this, okay? We're going to end with this. Yes. Where did Coach Ted get his voice? Um, to be honest, it was, a, it was something I picked up at uh, Improv Olympic. When I was studying there in 2003, so I never really stopped going to class and studying and working on like improv and comedy. Good. So at that time, I was at Improv Olympic, um, and uh, and IO is really good about teaching you um, or honing a craft on, on a character, and uh, I kept bringing that voice uh, to class. And finally, like I sat down after doing a, a, a piece and two girls that were in my class, uh, young, young ladies were, were like, man, do you always have to do that voice? And I was like, I do a voice. And they're like, yeah, you, that's your funny voice. And I'm like, ooh, thanks for pointing that out. And then I took it and I gave it to Ted. Okay. And now that's Ted's voice. So I don't have to do it anymore. And then, she, and then one of the young ladies said, your next scene 
make it serious and use your real voice. And I did, and uh, I, I nailed the scene, did really well, and, they, and I came back and sat down, and they were like, that was awesome. They, like, they really liked it. Okay. And what I'm getting at is I had to apply that voice to something or right. else I'd use it all the time. Right. And so I do apply that voice to Ted. And so I gave it to him because at that time we were getting ready. To, we, we were doing Coach Bobby and all that right. stuff. Well, 2002, three, yeah. Because uh, there's a Woody Allen movie, Zelik. It's where the, his character becomes the people around him. Mm-hmm. And when we're doing Ted, I end up coming home sounding like Ted for a couple of hours because yes. he's so intoxicating to be around. He's catchy. He's very catchy. <laughs> I, I love Ted. And there's something about like the grumpy coach because we had that grumpy coach. We've all had that guy. And Ted is a throwback coach from the when we were kids in the 70s that came right. from Vietnam, were pissy, right. and God damn it, right. you know, those guys. Didn't, life didn't go just the way it was planned. No, you son of a bitch. Right. Like, there's lots of those, and right. a cigarette hanging out of the mouth, and a, you know what I mean? You have My, no idea, kids. Yeah, you, you have no idea. I drink idea. napalm in the morning. That's what they did. Right. Every day. Right. <laughs> I get it coffee. Right. No, but that that's kind of where Coach, it's a gruff, um, but he's, but the thing with Ted is, He's not that cool. He's trying to be cool. No. He's, that's a, he, well, I don't think it's Ted a persona realizes, within a persona. Right. Ted doesn't realize he's not cool. Yeah. No, he, he is the bee's knees. Right. But he's, he's actually an a outcast. He's yeah, a he's an outcast. Right. Trying to fit in. So yeah. that's what the movie was about in Coach Ted. Um, him fitting in. Him realizing he's an outcast. At the beginning of the movie, he's like, I'm the shit. And I'm, and, but he's... He's a total outcast and in, 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 in a, in a black sheep and doesn't fit in. Um, and then by the, you know, his breaking point is he realizes that he's not right. w- what he thought he was. And we all have gone through that. We're not who we think we are sometimes. And we get a little check, a reality check. And then he figures out his own path. And yeah. Well, definitely check out Phil Thurman on Vimeo so you can find Coach Ted. And so you're going to post... The Pompadour on Pompadour Vimeo? will be on uh, everything I post now is on Vimeo. Okay. Um, under Phil Thurman or yeah, uh, Phil Thurman. Uh, I, I was trying to remember if it was Odessa Films USA, but it, no, it's nope, it's under it's my Phil, name. Yep. Um, will you sneak peek it on your Instagram, or should they follow you there? Uh, no, I don't have anything <laughs> on Instagram. It's all like kids crap. I know. It's you know what I mean. Stuff. It's like it's like yeah. Hey, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's going to be me shooting my kid eating a turd sandwich. Right in the pool. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean. So, um, so no. <laughs> Just on Vimeo. I'll just right. yeah, keep it on Vimeo. Check them out on Vimeo. Phil, thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. Time for lunch. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please hit the like button where you found us. 